1: No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC.
2: Yeah, let's rev it up, Matt Blaze. I don't know about that last name. Sounds to me like some kind of alias. What are you, the second coming of the fugitive? of the boss, Bruce Springsteen, the E Street Pan. It's going to have a lot of music in this first hour, a lot of news that's directly impacted by music, whether it's R&B, whether it's rock and roll, whether it's spiritual, or whether it's demonic and heavy metal. But let's start out with Bruce Springsteen, right? And how many of you out there say, oh, the working class hero from Freehold, New Jersey, the other side of the tracks. Oh, yeah, when he was in Asbury Park, he always would turn. No, no, I, I don't want, I don't want money. I just want to apply my craft. And then all of a sudden he became a one percenter in Rumson, right? Rumson and then started writing off his property taxes, claiming he's Farmer Bruce. I say, what is that? Homegrown in the backyard? Well, what is that? What is that? Sense Amelia? What do you, what's a uh, uh, Maui Waui Hindu Kush? What are you growing back there? You're writing it off your property taxes? Yeah, that's a nice trick. But oh, you all wanted to believe this. In fact, his number one sickle fan, Tody and Lackey, his number one groupie of all time, Shabu El Jefe, Chris Christie. He's He's followed him all throughout the world. Uh, To Brunei, to Singapore, doesn't matter, Bruce. Oh, in concert, oh, I got to be there, Chris Christie. Oh, yeah. He should be fending off the sharks off of Quag, the South Shore, Nassau County, and uh, the Irish Riviera. You imagine Chris Christie going up and down. It's like Orca the Whale. Those sharks will clear out quick. But he's already, with bated breath, waiting online. Ticketmaster, Ticketmaster, please soak me, soak me. $5,000 for floor seats for the working class hero who says it's all about my craft. It's all about my music. It's not about the money. $5,000 for floor seats and if you happen to be way up in the nosebleed section with an oxygen mask on at MetLife Stadium, it's a $1,000. Now, you say to yourself, oh, well, hey, Bruce, uh, you think you could, uh, like, you know, correct them? You know, put out, you don't even have to have a press conference. Just put out a tweet. I got control of this. Don't worry about it. I'll pimp slap Ticketmaster." We'll do right by my fans. Oh, my God. Is this the ultimate in uber-capitalism? What do you think Rage Against the Machine thinks about this? Anyway, we're going to get to them because they're all freaking millionaires, too. Yeah, we're communists. We're socialists. You should read Che Guevara. You should read Karl Marx. The only thing they read is not das Kapital. It's capitalism by Forbes. Steve Forbes. And all of you, your schmucks, your putzers out there, you buy their propaganda. That's right. It has been 72 hours. They put the tickets out there because Bruce Springsteen has decided, okay, no more COVID. Ah, we're not going to let monkeypox stop us. We're going back out on a whip flex and E Street Band. And already people are lining up. Oh, my God. I'll get a reverse mortgage. I'll sell my house. I'll get a payday loan. What the hell is this? $5,000 for floor seats? $1,000 for nosebleed seats up in MetLife? And all the other stadiums are going to be traveling all over the country? That is a double disgraciate. A double shot. Hey, Bruce. Hey, in Rumson, or wherever you're living now. Farmer Bruce, you're writing off all your property taxes because you got homegrown product in the backyard. Fake, phony, fraudulent, fagazi, working class hero. Hey, I want some of you out there, you Springsteen fans. Maybe even Shamu, El Jefe, Chris Christie will call in. Oh, please. Bruce, please acknowledge me. Please. I know you always diss me and dismiss me. I know I'm a misogynist. I'm not a misogynist, I'm a masochist. But please, please, I'm a human piñata. I gotta see Bruce wave to me while I do the jiggle wiggle out there. Oh, my God. I just want to vomit. And not from the heat. Not from the sweltering heat or the humidity. Our number is 1 800 848 9222. That's 1 800 848 W A B C. Watch. Watch. You see, Matt plays him and you something about the Springsteen fans. They're never condemned. they oh, he's, he's, he's a god. It's a form of idolatry. No, no, you misunderstand. It's all Ticketmaster's fault. It's not the boss's fault. By the way, why would you call him the boss? Is your, is your life so miserable? Do you lack such self-esteem? It's like when you go into the, the deli or the bodega. Yeah, what can I do for your boss? And I say to him, I'm not your boss. I'm like you. I'm a normal human. Hey, boss, boss. Where the hell did they ever get that phrase from? Do I sign your paycheck? Am I your John Katsimatidis? Hell no. Don't call me boss. And why the hell do all of you call Bruce Springsteen the boss? And by the way, this song... Right, I'm asking Who who co-opted that? Ronald Reagan, remember LA Olympics? Said oh, patriotic song, that fine young man, Bruce Springsteen. Meantime, it's an anti-war song, anti-American song. Did Bruce say anything? Hell no. The song went right to number one. That's where the road to riches began. The asphalt on the way from Freehold through Asbury Park. And right to all those one percenters in Rumson. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hold on a sec. We got to go to Elton. Elton John here because, remember, it was his farewell tour. He actually was at MetLife Stadium. He's at MetLife uh, Stadium again tonight, right now. In fact, you know, it's hot, it's sweltering, it's humid. What is he, 75? Enough with Bruce. Follow the yellow brick road, huh? Follow the yellow brick road. Show some respect. Oh, that's right. Goodbye, yellow brick road. <laughs> Our number's 1 800 Goodbye. I always like Liberace better than you. But hey, I'm not dissing you, Elton John. I must admit, it was a time as a disco duck that I was. I wore those platform shoes, just like you, Elton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the uh, polyester waffle weave flame retardant shirts and the bell-bottom pants. Although you were a little more ostentatious, a little more flowery. You had a coat. You had a complete ensemble. Everything would be glitter, and you had those glasses, those glow-in-the-dark pink and green flowers everywhere, right? It was my style, you know, so, hey, but he had good music. Who was that? Bernie Taupin, uh, you know, the producer there. Worked with Elton a long, long time. So this is his farewell goodbye at 75. Although I think he always objects. You know, he had his documentary out there, and he said, you know, Eric Mercury, I was better than you. I was better than you, Eric Mercury of Queen. I know. No, you weren't. No, you asked my wife, Nancy Ho. Oh, you just mentioned... Uh, queen eric work oh man oh freddie excuse me oh i hated queen yeah i could i could deal with elton john i, I could deal with his uh eccentricities because remember who did i like originally the number one mama Luke in the world long before frank morano walked his plane liberace right he preceded elton john he was a Mameluke from Milwaukee. I remember they would interview him on CBS, and he had all of his furs, and he had all of his jewelry. And the CBS guy would say, oh, by the way, uh, who are you seeing lately? And this was in the late 50s. Well, you know, I have a woman in my life. Yeah, see, you couldn't be real back then. You couldn't keep it real. You had to pretend that you were a uh, heterosexual. Hey, Elton John had to do that. Do you remember you married that woman in Australia? Come on, this guy didn't have a heterosexual bone in his body. Look at him, how campy he is, right? Free to be me. Now, I didn't say that about myself. Calm down here. I'm not coming out of the closet, uh, Mad Place. Our number is one 800 That's one 800 wabc I will not forgive, though, Elton John. Remember, he was at uh, Radio City Music Hall, right where I nearly got flattened by that cab three days before the mayoral election. Boom! And I flew up in the air and sucked concrete and then kept running here to WABC. But remember, they had the Grammy Awards. And who did he decide to give coverage to? Slim, shady Eminem. Homophobe, sexist, misogynist. And then all of a sudden, remember, he embraced them. And then there were like 10,000 Slim Shadies in the uh, audience. Stand up, the real Slim Shady. stand up. Remember Elton said, oh, and he hugged them, and they swapped spit on the, yeah, as if all was forgiven and forgotten. Although you notice at M&M, one time he dropped the N bomb. One time, oh, man, they were gonna like, that was it for him. You know, he, he didn't have a Joe Rogan, oh, I could drop it 36 times, nothing's going to happen to me. And then Dr. Dre came to his defense with Snoop Dogg and said, leave the white boy alone. He's ours, man. We got like half his money. So, yeah, back off. He's, can't, he's not going to use the N-word never again. Right, right, Eminem? Oh, yeah, yeah, Dr. Dre, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Snoop, I'll never use I promise. I'm Slim Shady, you know, 8 Mile, yeah, yeah, but I'll, I'll never use the N-word again. one 800 848 that's 1-800-848-WABC. Speaking of 8 Mile, speaking of Detroit, speaking of Michigan, it's time for us to flip the script into a man who is suffering from postpartum depression ever since Pamela Anderson left him for who? For WikiLeaks. Remember? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's hard. It's hard for Kid Rock to take that. Pamela Anderson, Baywatch. I mean, she's been with, like, every guy out there imaginable. But imagine Julian Assange of WikiLeaks. I mean, the ultimate geek. And here you are, Kid Rock. Macho man. I love Trump. Coors in one hand. Miller High Life in the other hand. And he's in the middle of the heartland of America yesterday. North Dakota. North Dakota. Eighteen thousand Kid Rock maniacs, not a black person in that crowd. I mean, you you talk at the Whitey Whiteys, eighteen thousand of them, a lot of males, some females, peeps. and they're telling him you can't go out on the stage. There's lightning. It's like I got to go out on the stage. My peeps are gonna break out. You cannot go out on the stage, Kid Rock. There is lightning out there. He said, Man, you don't know my peeps. They've already been drinking Miller Hyfe all day. Miller Lite. It's like 120 degrees out there in the shade. So then the deputy sheriff comes out and says, All right, ladies and gentlemen, you need to cease and desist. We're shutting down the fairgrounds. It's 11 p.m., there's too much lightning. And the crowd erupted in a riot. They attacked the stage, they attacked the cops. So the cops, the head sheriff goes, oh, please go out there, calm your people down. It's like, you know, everybody telling Trump, please tell your peeps on January 6th, stop, cease, desist. And King Rock turned around and said, I'm not going out on that stage. <laughs> He'll kill me. they will think I'm the one that doesn't want to go and perform. No, no, no. You started this. You're blaming it on Mother Nature. You finish it. I'm going in my recreational vehicle and drink some more by Miller High Life. And then he did the bird. They tore the mother up. I mean, they had to take out the daisy chain perp walk line. They had to get state troopers. They were ready to mobilize the National Guard. 18,000 maniacs. But they love Kid Rock, and they love Trump, and they love America. Kid Rock still mourning the loss of Baywatch Pam Anderson to who? To who Julian Assange, that geek from WikiLeaks, was still in the bowels of a dungeon in London waiting to be deported here in America where he'll get triple life without parole in Leavenworth? I'll get you, my little pretty, Hillary says. Oh, you dropped all that WikiLeaks on me when I was running against Trump every day. I'll get you, my little pretty. (sighs) Wait, doesn't stop here. Doesn't stop here. Across the border in old Canada, they must have all been vaccinated because you don't get to cross the border if you're not vaccinated. Look at the St. Louis Cardinals, right? Wanted to play the Toronto Blue Jays. Like half their team had to go back, you know, and drink Budweiser there in St. Louis where it was 100 degrees because they weren't vaccinated. No, it was rage against the machine. You know, they've gotten together. What were they uh, disbanded for about 15 years? And then they got together in Wisconsin recently and now they're on tour. And they're all pledged, oh, we're card-carrying communists, you know. We love Jay. We love Karl Marx. We hate money, even though we all are worth like $10 million a piece, and we live in gated communities in Los Angeles. But we hate America. We burn the flag. Remember 1999 at that fake, phony, fraudulent, fugazi Woodstock? Where they had... Rapes, assaults, what happened? Limp biscuit there? What the hell the, what happened with Freddy over there? Limp biscuit, you know, he went nuts. And Rage Against the Machine burnt an American flag. Of course they did. You know, it was the chic, cool, hip, happening thing to do. Meantime, What an ugly Woodstock that was in 1999, 30 days after 1969. A half a million strong up the New England State Thruway, rolling around in the mud in the rain, Bethel, New York. Not one person shot, not one person raped, assaulted, peace, love, and happiness. And who stole the show at Woodstock? Sly and the Family Stone. That's right, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurly. thinking, oh, earth, wind, and fire. Are you crazy? Sly in the family stone. Well, oh, let me hear. Come on, Rage Against the Machine. I want to hear this full rage against capitalism. How they promote communism? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. now how come you're all millionaires and you live in gated communities? Well, did you see what happened on the stage last night in Toronto? They're performing. It's at the end of their their whole set, and all of a sudden, you have a security guard. <laughs> He's trying to grab one of their groupies off the stage. He dives, and who does he get? The ultimate communist socialist, the guitarist Tom Morello. You know, you touch me, white boy. You know, I'm a brother. No, you're not. You're part white. No, I'm an all, I'm all brother, and I'm a communist. No, you're not. You make, what, $25 million? You live in a gated community in Los Angeles? You don't even let the brothers in on the compound. Anyway, they knock him right into the audience. So the lead singer, Zach Dilarosha, says, Stop, stop, stop. And I'm saying to myself, there's an epidemic of this. Remember recently, who was it? Dave Chappelle. Remember Dave Chappelle in Los Angeles? He was at the Hollywood Bowl. And that Kukulamunga, the 23-year-old bisexual rapper, of course, from Brooklyn, who attacks him with a weapon. Right? Hey, you saw Zeldin got attacked with a weapon up there outside of the VFW Hall in Monroe County, about a few miles from Rochester, not Rochester, Rot-R-O-T, C-A-T-S-T-E-R. It's it's like nuts. And you know what it all started with? Will Smith getting up at the Academy Awards and pimp-slapping Chris Rock. Well, who was at Madison Square Garden? As Dave Chappelle came on, because they denied him in Minneapolis. No free speech in Minneapolis. You are not politically correct. You are canceled, Dave Chappelle. So Chappelle gets on the stage. He's on with Chris Rock and Kevin Hart. He brings the whole audience down. They're going crazy. And he goes, look, you know, the guy who attacked me, I know he's from Brooklyn, Isaiah Lee. I hope he gets monkey pox in jail. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha! Yeah, I hope he gets monkeypox. Not that he should die, but his ass should itch for four to six weeks. <laughs> Keep free speech alive. Can't can't go to Minneapolis. No, no, he's canceled. Dave Chappelle in Minneapolis. He's canceled. Chappelle also ribbed his bodyguards for wearing dress shoes on the job the last time. He said, "You were slipping and sliding all over that stage. I want you wearing those Timberland boots." The next one who comes on the stage put boots to the back of their head. Wow. All started with Will Smith. See, they didn't arrest Will Smith. That's what it was. They elevated him on a platform. And then who was next? Isaiah Lee, right? And it's just continued. And we saw it with Zeldin right before the weekend outside of Rochester. And then you saw it last night in Canada, Rage Against the Machine, except... This was the security guy trying to protect Rage against the machine. What a Stunat. He tackled the wrong person. He knocks the guitarist right into the crowd. The guy already had a separated shoulder. Now he's got two cracked ribs. Guitarist, Tom Morello, good for you. Say a prayer to Che Guevara, the atheist. How huh? you love Che so much, you got a tattoo of Che Guevara on you. You tell everybody, we dust copy Carl Karl Marx, right? Meantime, he lives in a gated community. He's making millions like there's no tomorrow. But you all love it, ladies and gentlemen. Admit it, you all love it. But let's pull it all back to the boss, Bruce, the working class hero, Ticketmaster. You want to take in this new tour with the East Street Band? Five to four thousand dollars for floor seats. A thousand dollars. To be way up in Medlife Stadium, so high, you need an electron microscope to see the band down at the stage. You need an oxygen, a portable oxygen unit to breathe up there. It'll cost you a thousand bucks. Hey, suckers, sell your house. Take a reverse mortgage. Get a payday loan. And, you know, right in the middle of it, doing the jiggle wiggle, it's going to be Shamu, El Jefe, Chris Christie, disparage me. Loathe me, spit on me, humiliate me. Bruce, I'm going to come to every concert until you acknowledge me. Please, please, please. What is wrong with you people? Our number is one 800 848 That's 1-800-848-WABC. WABG let us go to the phones. We had a little infusion of culture. Oh, you know, coming up, oh, oh casino time in New York City. Casino time. And all the politicians got their beaks in the trough. Get the J- daisy chain perp walk ready. A lot of these politicians going to be going to jail. They almost did the last time around. Remember AEG? Aqueduct? In fact, my husband-in-law was the governor at that time. David Patterson was almost wearing striped suits. Oh, I'm going to run it all down for you. What's happening, man? Man? They want to put a casino in Times Square. And you know that Frank Morano, the degenerate camera, said, Oh, no, I'll never be able to bring a nickel, dime, or penny home to Rachel or little Carmine. He admitted that. Oh, yeah. Oh, the red Chinese. That's why they want your DNA. You know, Frank Morano never wanted to give his DNA. Not because of the red Chinese, but we were told... That's how they will destroy us, through our DNA. Oh, so much to talk about. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Oh, by the way, uh, Eric Adams, the swagger man, the mayor who has no plan, his best friend, uh, Reverend and Canarsie, that I've known for years, they walk in on him today in the middle of his service. Three guys with hoodies and guns. They strip him of $400,000 in jewelry. They get away. No cops. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, you don't want to go anywhere. No, and plus animal welfare tonight. You know, 11 to 12, that's the one you're waiting for. You don't want to hear me. You want to hear my beautiful wife, Nancy, the animal rescuer, 11 to 12. And then what comes in? The barrier, the barricade here, Dominic Carter. So I can't be an inquisitor against the Mama Luke Frank Morano. Our number's one 800 let us go to Sammy calling from Howard Beach. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sammy.
3: Uh, yeah, this afternoon I
4: saw something that really touched my heart. My late father, he would be
3: elated. Joe Hodges' daughter gave his induction speech into the Hall of Fame, and I thought of
4: you for a couple of reasons. He was a Brooklyn guy, although he was naturalized, coming from Indiana. And his son kind of had a similar history at Brooklyn Prep like you did. Are you aware of that?
2: Yes. I'll tell you a story about Gil Hodges at Brooklyn Prep, which was just two blocks from Ebbets Field where he starred for the Brooklyn Dodgers. But continue, Sammy.
3: But it was very touching the way his daughter spoke. And it just made me remember. My late father, because he was a big Gil Hodges fan, yeah, it no. really, 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 really touched me.
2: No, no, and uh, he touched a lot of people, I got to tell you. And the Brooklyn Dodgers back then, they lived in the neighborhood, not far from uh, Ebbets Field. They were part of the community. And in regards to Gil Hodges, he would walk over a few blocks over the Nostrand Avenue, President and Sterling, uh, we had a little baseball field in the front uh, that also was a football field, a rock garden with a lot of glass, short porch in right field, but you had to hit it over the building in left field. Uh, I wasn't there at the time, but they told me the story. My JB coach, Coach Duffy, said Gil gets up, he hits the ball. It goes all the way over the Bedford Avenue. You know, over the school, over the church, that was uh, behind the school, into Bedford Avenue, and I said, "Man, I'm lucky if I could hit it over the shortstop's head." <laughs> that's incredible. That, that was that's a moon a lunar landing shot. And he said the guy had such huge arms and huge hands that when he he grabbed the baseball back, because obviously he had to use the bats that the high school players were using, it was like a toothpick in his hands. And he had nice, he had nice things to say to the young men. You know, the one thing is, and probably took his life much too early, as it did my coach, uh, Coach Duffy. Smoking. Yeah, I mean, we're talking like four packs a day. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So a word, um, a word to the wise. This guy was a giant of a man, tremendous athlete, but boy, that lung cancer that'll take you down quick. That'll take you down story. quick.
3: Any stories on Gil Hodges Lane, the lanes, the
2: bowling alley? Yeah, I went to Gil Hodges Lanes. The first one, which was um, not the one in Marine Park. No, no. The the, okay. fir- the original one was along Ralph Avenue. It's where okay. the movie theater was, uh, actually, where I saw the documentary Woodstock. there. It's in a little strip shopping mall. And uh, I used to go there and... Uh, it was sparkle ball time because I had an advantage over all the Supreme Cuisines and the Jewish kids because I'm part Polish. And, you know, bowling, it's like it's in our culture. It's sparkle ball. It's a part of the national sport. My own wife, Nancy, learned how to bowl at the Salvation Army Center in Ridgewood. After school, she'd go to the Polish-language Catholic school, and then she learned to bowl. She could have been in the PBA, the Professional Bowler's Tour. Remember how all of a sudden... If you're watching the professional bowlers, there always Polish guys, right? Buffalo, you know, Cleveland, Cheektawaga, Tonawanda. And there was Chris Schenkel. Shh. Okay, he's lining it up. Oh, that's right. We're here the Brunswick Lanes. That's right. We're in Palmer, Ohio here, the capital of pierogies and kielbasa. Oh, strike. He's had like 52 strikes in a row. Truth is, I hate bowling. And I hated bowling that, but because I'm part Polish, oh, hey, you got to get the shoes, you know. You got to get you gotta have the Brunswick ball. I say, this ball is so heavy, I'm going to get a double hernia. Oh, that's a man's man. And don't ever, as a kid, take the ball between your legs and roll it. And by the way, they never had the bumpers on the side now. For the I take my kids bowling, right? They, they got the bump. Uh, the, nah, you got to bowl like a man or a woman. Gutter bowl, gutter, 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 gutter. And then some schmuck kid would be back there with the pins. I just wanted to smack him in the head, you know, because he's looking at me like, ha, 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 you doofus. God, if I could have taken that Brunswick ball and thrown it at him. Oh, yeah, there's uh, Gil Hodges Lanes now. It's uh, over there at Marine Park and a Mill Base and all tradition. Tradition. Uh, Sammy, he touched me. I wish I had known Gil Hodges. You know, I had nothing against the Brooklyn Dodgers, nothing. I just hate the Mets. So, you know, he was, hey, the manager, you know, 69, Miracle Mets, right? And then I'm hearing all the people talk about 69, right? Okay, Miracle Mets beat the Baltimore Orioles 4-1. Then, obviously, Joe Willie Navith beats Earl Morrow and Johnny Unitas, uh, Baltimore Colts, unexpectedly. Uh, he wins the uh, Super Bowl. Then it's Willis Reed off the bench beating Will Chamberlain. That's right, Rex Holzman there from the Rockaways. He's the coach. Okay, they beat the Lakers. The Lakers who had Baylor, they had Jerry West, they had Chamberlain. Knicks win. What else in 16? Oh, the Apollo 11, right? Apollo 11, man walks in space. Uh, Of course, you know, Woodstock. And then Chappaquiddick. Nobody ever mentions Chappaquiddick. The very next day after... uh, uh, after Apollo 11, and who went swimming? Ted Kennedy, right? He leaves Mary Jo Kopechne in the back of the car to drown. He goes to sleep for 10 hours. He wakes up. Oh, I guess I got to report this to the police. He got two months suspended sentence. They took his license for a year. And the guy went and ran for the presidency against Jimmy Carter and lost. When Roger Mudd asked him a simple question, CBS: Senator Kennedy, why why do you want to run for president? He had no idea why he was. I'm a Kennedy, isn't that what I'm supposed to do? One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. When we come back, I don't know how Eric Adams, the not law and order mayor, swagger man has no plan. What's he going to do with for his friend now, the Reverend? Remember the Reverend? He was gonna. He picked up Abdullah, the guy who killed who killed the worker from Goldmine Sachs on the Q train, remember that Sunday afternoon when he was going for brunch in Manhattan with his brother, Abdullah, 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 the gangbanger from Harlem? And, you know, the pastor picked him up with the Rolls Royce, was going to take him to the 5th Precinct. Who was waiting there? It was Eric Adams. Yeah, he was going to turn him into Eric Adams. And the cop said, no, you're not. Wait, we're picking this guy up first. Oh, and this guy got robbed today, $400,000 worth of uh, jewelry. Hey, uh who is that? A.R. Bernard, you better watch out over there on Pennsylvania Avenue and Flatlands, your mega church. Not too far away from this happening. Guess what? Your friend Eric Adams, he has no plan.
1: W.A.B.C. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 W.A.B.C.
2: Yeah, we need a little music. To Jesus. To Jesus! Watch out, AR You got three gunmen loose, and they just housed Eric Adams' best pastor friend. That's right, uh, Matt Blaze, I still don't trust your last name, I think it's an alias, I think you're like a fugitive on the lamb. we'll figure it out yet, but notice, everything has a musical connotation this first hour, and the reason it is, is the Doobie Brothers, 1975, they were in Baton Rouge concert, you know, touring, and their lead guy, Tom Johnson, has a bleeding ulcer, and he's like bleeding out. And they had to put him on the private jet that they were touring on and they rushed him back to Los Angeles and they came out on the stage and the crowd was there about 20,000 people. Uh, we can't, we can't do the concert. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, former Steely Dan buddy Michael McDonald jumped up there and said, no, 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 don't worry about it. I'll replace Johnson. He did. And Johnson never came back. Oh, that sort of reminds me. uh, As uh, a friend there in in Howard Beach was reminiscing about first baseman Gil Hodges and his greatness. A guy named Wally Pipp for the Yankees. One day he took off. One freaking day, he had a migraine headache. He couldn't open up his eyes. His manager said, "Don't worry about it. We got this kid from Columbia University, Lou Gehrig. Yeah, he'll play for today. You come back tomorrow." The guy came back, and he never played again. <laughs> Lou Gehrig was the Iron Man. That's why I never take a day off. Uh, I'm no Wally Pip. No, no, no. Uh, you know, no best of, which is worst of. No, I'm here each and every day. You know, they lend me the microphone. They could take that microphone away any moment. All I got to do is tell you the story of Tom Johnson. If you knew anything about the Doobie Brothers, I love the Doobie Brothers. He was great. His ulcers bleeding out at that time. They didn't know how to remedy it. They fly him back to Los Angeles. And all of a sudden, former Steely Dan buddy, you know Michael McDonald, right? He went on to a great solo career. He said, I'll substitute. And guess what? Tom Johnson never came back. And the rest is history. Now, why am I playing Jesus is all right by me? Jesus is all right by you. Because earlier today in Fear City, you know, I really feel like um, this is like Escape from New York. You know, where they took all the criminals and they put them in the five boroughs and it's Escape. Kurt Russell's Escape from New York. It's bad. So right in Canarsie, a few blocks from where I grew up, right on 89th and J, he's on Remsen. Remsen up there near um, actually Foster Avenue. He's got the church called Leaders of Tomorrow. International Ministries in Canarsie. It was 11-14 this morning. He has his, his sermon. And this guy is the Rolls-Royce driving Bishop Lamore Whitehead, best friend of Eric Adams. And he's live-streaming it for all of his parishioners who, because of the fear of the variant of COVID-19 or because of their age and the hot, sweltering heat, they're watching at home. And they're watching and they're saying... Oh, my God. Three guys in mass, three black guys, come in with nine millimeters. They, they hold up everybody. They hold up the whole congregation, and they strip the minister of $4,000 in jewelry from Whitehead, his wife. And the next thing you see, the minister, the minister's going, all right, all right, he's got his hands up. And then all of a sudden, he hits the floor on his hands and knees, and he's praying to Jesus, Jesus. Nobody from the 69 precinct. So what happened? The robbers fled east on Avenue D in their car. They're not going to catch him. Hey, nobody gets caught anymore. There are no consequences in New York City. This guy talks to Eric Adams, the mayor, on a regular basis. Remember, think back. Think back. It's a Sunday afternoon. Unfortunately for this gentleman who had left his home in Park Slope, he was heading on the Q train, Daniel Enriquez, to meet his brother for brunch. And this madman, this gangbanger from Harlem, Abdullah Abdullah, remember he's pacing up and down, he pulls out a gun, he executes him there, and then when they get to Canal Street, he disappears. The mayor never bothered going to the wake Oh, the funeral, because Daniel Enriquez's family and friends said, Hey, Mr. Mayor, you got to really step up your game. you got to do the job. So who negotiated the surrender of Abdullah Abdullah but the Rolls Royce driving, remember, Bishop Lamar Whitehead, who was supposed to bring him to the 5th Precinct? And who was waiting for him there with all the cameras? He was going to surrender to Eric Adams. Because Eric Adams and this minister are like tight. They're like two peas in a pod. They've been like this for years. So the coppers, they realize, oh, no, you don't. Because every time we need a suspect, Eric Adams, styling and profiling, live at five, Eric Adams is going to have these guys surrendering to him. So they went to legal aid. He's meeting with the lawyers. They go right in the office. They say, he's ours. And they drag him down to central booking. Thank God they did Oh, Eric Adams was going to be like, oh, yes, you see, me and the minister, we're going to go out there. We're going to get all these heathens, these these unguarded souls who are are wayward, who have lost their path. And they're going to surrender to me live at 5 on WABC, WNBC, Telemundo, Univision, Fox News Channel, MSNBC, CNN, and, of course, New York One. Uh, Mr. Mayor, Mr. Mayor. Oh, wait, I'm I'm tending to Abdullah Abdullah's soul here. Hey, you know, he he shot and killed in cold blood and murdered Daniel, uh, uh, Daniel Enriquez, did you, did you go to the Waken Funeral? Uh, I didn't have time, you know. I, I mean, I'm trying to deal here with crime. Want to bet that that minister, Bishop Lamore Whitehead, first call he made at 1130 wasn't to the 69th Precinct. It was Eric Adams said, what the hell is going on? They took everything from me, but the only thing they left me was my three-piece set, my manhood. They wiped us out. It's all on video. They're praying to Jesus. The guys come in with the toolies. They got the mask on. They're pointing it at these old ladies. Take the gold out of your mouth. Take that wedding ring off. I mean, it's like we're going back to Jesse James in the Old West. Now... Imagine if one of those parishioners had a concealed license to carry. Do you think they would have gotten away with it? Remember Eric Adams, the candidate a year ago, said, Oh, when I go to church, I carry my gun. He's able to carry a gun, former police officer. But God forbid you want to carry a gun. Wouldn't you have loved to be in that church as the three guys are going from old lady to old lady? And then you just sneak up behind him, and you go, pow, pow, pow! I did it for Jesus! Let it be on video. Let all the thugs and at see the ramifications, because we know in Brooklyn, with D.A. Eric Gonzalez, there are no consequences. Oh, uh, you young men, you with young men, you had 9 millimeters fully loaded, first-time arrest, no problem. We're going to send you to a diversion program in Red Hook. No, you won't be arrested. You just show up once a week, one hour of therapy, we provide pizza and Coca-Cola, and all you have to do after a month is just swear you won't do it again. And then they say, you're kidding, that's it? Yes, because we trust that you're not going to do it again. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABCA. You know, every Sunday morning we have religion on the line with Rabbi Joe Potasnik and A.R. Bernard. They never even interviewed me. Never interviewed me during the whole mayoral campaign. I've known both of them. But their homeboy was Eric Adams. You better believe A.R. Bernard and his congregation at 37,000. He started with a small storefront. I remember in Williamsburg, he, had, he was a pishy. He had nothing. Now, make a church. You know, he's like this Osteen who's renting out, you know, Yankee Stadium. He's right there on the corner on Pennsylvania Avenue in Flatlands. It used to be all junkyards, chop shops, and they would incinerate bodies from organized crime. Want to bet he has additional security next Sunday when he takes to the pulpit? Because all of his parishioners are going to say, Reverend, Reverend, they are Bernard, you know. We saw, you know, your fellow pastor right there on Remsen Avenue. They, they, they held up his whole congregation at gunpoint at 11 o'clock on Sunday. You think Rabbi Joe Potashnik is going to be there strapped? Oh, but God forbid you have a license to carry a peace, legal license. Do they not understand how crazy this is? Do they not understand that this is destroying our city? I'll give you an example. I was talking with the New York Post uh, before the end of the weekend, this guy Rich Kyle, the good, good reporter from the New York Post and Wall Street goes, Curtis, do you see people on the FDR drive walking in the middle of the FDR drive? We're not talking on the Meridian. In the middle, you know, in traffic. I say, yeah, I see them all the time. They're begging for money. They figure, hey, I got nothing to lose. Go ahead. Turn me into a speed bump. So the car, the car stops. <grossed> And the people figure, wow, that's pretty brazen, that's pretty bold. I was going to give you a nickel, dime, or quarter, I'm going to give you a dollar. And they're out there every day. And then all of a sudden, Eric Adams was made aware of this earlier today by a New York Post uh, reporter, and this is what he had to say about people walking up and down the Grand Central uh, Parkway.
3: The FDR trial. on the highway is dangerous, and we're going to provide people with the services they need. And what we have been doing... Uh, In a very strategic way, our city is divided by precincts and every uh, those precincts are divided by uh, sectors. And so uh, our city is extremely methodical in in how we observe things. Every officer on patrol is told to canvas his precinct, his or her precinct uh, for issues like that. Not to respond because we don't want a heavy handed police presence unless it's a dangerous situation, but to get it back to us so we can use uh, the coordination that Deputy Mayor uh, William Isom has put together. And so if there's an area where there's uh, repeated panhandling on the highways, that should be part of our tracker so that we can get the services there.
2: Now, so if I'm a cop. I'm in a marked car. I'm not to stop and take the guy off the road. I'm to call it in to City Hall for some deputy mayor of no consequence so he can write it in a book. And maybe they'll show up like five months from now. This reminds me years ago, which used to bother people to no end during the Koch and Dinkins years. You'd have a uniform patrol out. And drug dealers would be dealing right in front of them. And they were told, you cannot make drug arrests in uniform. You have to call it back to the detectives unit at your local precinct. So people would see this and think that uniform cops were on the take. Because why else would they let drug dealers deal in front of them? And the drug dealers knew the rules already because they know the rules better than people who live in a neighborhood. And it tarnished the image of the cops. So now if you're in the highway patrol... And you're going up and down the FDR, and these people are standing in the middle of the FDR, defying physics. You know, Sir Isaac Newton, whatever goes up, must come down. Well, if I get hit by the car, I'll just keep going straight up to heaven. No. They are not permitted to stop and take the person out of the road. They have to call to the deputy mayor in City Hall, and then it has to be sent to the right agency Do you know how long that will take? The bureaucracy will chew it up, absorb it, digest it, and fart it out. That person is still going to be out there. This is, what are you going to do that with people with squeegees? What are you going to do that people shooting up on the street? This, This is why this city is falling into the abyss. You heard it from the mayor himself. He does not want the cops to deal with that. When I'm with the Guardian Angels, we deal with it. We stop the Guardian Angel truck, we jump out. We know that a lot of them have emotionally disturbed problems. In fact, there was a guy right before you hit the uh, Triborough Bridge, right underneath the bridge, right before 125th Street on the FDR Drive, he used to stand on a platform with a plastic fish hanging outside of his mouth. He He called it street art. And all the cars would almost smash into one another because they couldn't believe this guy. He's up there like a statue with what looked like a fish out of his mouth. I'll bet you some of you remember that guy. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Well, he ended up going to Creedmoor because we took him off the road for a psychiatric observation in Bellevue. The guy needed help. And the city just left him out there standing on a platform. All the traffic coming to a halt. With a plastic fish hanging outside of his mouth. Yeah, New York City. 1-800-848-9222. W-A-B-C.
1: New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 (laughs) WABC.
2: weddings. I remember that boy growing up. Man, if you didn't use the Jimmy cap, and there was an unexpected, unwanted pregnancy. Shotgun wedding. Yeah, Billy Idol. By the way, breaking news here at WABC. I gave you the crime bladder, but I'm not through. MTA money-taking agency that rips us off when they charge you money to ride the subways and buses, because why? It's a mover. They have just published their survey that says the number one reason that people are not coming to ride the subways is guess what? Crime! Nice you know, it used to be you well, want to get married, matthew, ladies, may happen day to you. You go down to the wedding. county clerk's office downtown Manhattan, you take the it's train. Nice you think the bride, the groom, their families... And their entourage take the subways to go get married. They'd have nothing left by the time they got down there. By the way, a sad story here. Another problem in uh, Fear City. The young man was working uh, to save up money to get married. Somebody he had been dating a long time. Originally, he had come from uh, the DR. A 39-year-old guy he was working at the 35 Bus Stop Deli in Morrisania in the Bronx. And he was on his way to work. He had just worked a night shift the night before. That was Friday night, and they locked up at about uh, 12. And he was coming uh, back to open up the uh, store at 7 a.m. to get the coffee machine going, the whole nine yards, 169th near Home Street. Been there many times. And it's 6.40 in the morning, and he's walking across the street, And all of a sudden, a car comes out of nowhere, a black four-door sedan. It vaults the median, barrels into him, knocks him into the air. He falls down on the ground. He's almost dead. The three guys get out of the car, and everyone's looking at them saying, wow, maybe they're going to help the guy, you know? Oh, they helped him all right. They went to his pockets. They pulled his trousers down, took his pockets, and took his fanny pack and left him there to die. And then just took off. Have there been any arrests yet? No. Nobody gets arrested here. There are no consequences anymore. And in that Bronx County, Clark, the DA there, turn him loose, Clark, there'll be no ramifications. Really sad story. Now, remember Jose Alba, right? The deli guy behind the counter. We all understood that. What about the bodega guy crossing the street to open up the store who gets clobbered? By three guys in a car who probably knew he had money in that fanny pack, he probably took the proceeds home with him from the night before because he can't leave the money any longer in the bodega because people will break into the bodega overnight they'll come into the roof they'll come into the back door, you know they're like uh they're like beavers they'll chew their way through the door they'll they'll excavate and they'll be coming up through the basement but we're giving away free tickets. Next Saturday, there is going to be the game of all games. It's going to take place uh, with the Ferry Hawks in Staten Island. You know, our owners, operators, uh, John and Margot Katsimatidis, are part owners of the Ferry Hawks. We better let uh, Frank Morano on the other side of Midnight know. He was over there with the Cyclones last Sunday. The Cyclones. Did he lose? Does, Does he have a GPS? He lives right in Staten Island. But anyway, next Saturday... You get a two-for-one, and you get fireworks at the end, and you can get free tickets right now if you, in fact, are the seventh caller at 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. So first off, there's going to be a game between the WABC All-Stars, the people you listen to, the people behind the scenes. You may have heard their names. You get to meet and greet them. And we'll be playing an NYPD all-star squad from Staten Island, the 120th, 121st, 122nd, 123rd precincts. That'll be game number one. Then uh, the Ferry Hawks are going to take on the Lancaster, um, let's see, Lancaster Barnstormers because during the day, you know, the Amish, they put up barns, they bake cakes, then they get into their horse and Horse and buggy wagons, you know, with the little, uh, the little orange triangle on the back. And it'll take them a while to get to Staten Island from, uh, Lancaster, but they'll be there for the game. And remember, the Ferry Hawks have the only female in professional baseball. She plays the outfield and she pitches. And the Ferry Hawks are actually doing quite good now. Still don't understand why Frank Morano took his family to the Cyclones. Uh, St- Ferry Hawks right there. Maybe because he got free tickets and free dirty water hot dogs and free boozy brunch. At the Cyclones game, but you get free tickets right now if you're the seven caller. And then afterwards, win, lose, or draw, it's going to be a great fireworks extravaganza. Anyway, let's go to the phones right now. Uh, hmm. Jim calling from Ocean County in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jimmy. Hello Curtis.
5: Yeah, that's me. No, yeah. Listen, I just wanna uh, give you a little information about uh Chris Christie. You seem to be one of the very few people that will stand up against them and tell the truth, all right. I worked for a college here in New Jersey, right? Worked in disability services. There was a there was a special needs grant, right? There were seven colleges throughout the state
2: that specialize in dealing with students with disabilities. Uh, this guy is doing a Wikipedia here. It's like He'll he'll be talking for an hour. He won't even know that we're not listening to him anymore. I will tell you this about Chris Christie. Remember, he was at Seaside Heights when he was the governor. He had that frozen custard from Coors. I love that frozen custard, the orange and the vanilla. He had two-fisted. He had one in one hand, one in the other hand. He had his state troopers, bodyguards, and then some guy on a bicycle say, Hey, you really? You think you should be eating ice cream? You think you need to lose some weight? He goes running after the guy like a maniac. You think Shamu Al Hafe Chris Christie has some anger management issues? I think so. Anyway, up next... You go to Atlantic City, well, you're going to have a lot of choices in New York City coming up to go go and do your gambling.
1: Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC.
2: song for the other side of midnight or for the other other side of midnight which i do uh, saturday mornings from 12 midnight to 6 to the break of dawn and then uh, so nice the suits have me do it twice sunday mornings from 12 midnight to 6 living after midnight it's the hell's bangers ball of uh, judas Priest, right you know heavy metal making a big comeback big comeback Metallica, you know, they're featured on that Netflix special, A Whole New Generation. Wow. Heavy metal, man. Wow. And so I procured this as a theme song. You might want to suggest it, Matt Blaze, since you are um, a sequel fan Tony and lackey of Frank Morano, who does The Other Side of Midnight Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5. He's got this, what, that dopey guy, Steve B or something with. God, that theme song. It's like, this is this. People can relate to this. See, pump it, pump. To, after midnight. to the door.
1: Till the I'm, gone. I'm
2: gone. See that's music. Gotta tell Frank Morano to up his game. Because he's got trouble now. And I tell you why, not only Frank Morano, he knows he's a degenerate gambler. He cannot stay away from the Borgata in Atlantic City, shoot craps, you know, uh, play roulette, the one-armed bandits get him. You know, he's even said he goes to the Borgata, he comes back, uh, and he's got more that's coming out of his pocket. Well, this is double trouble for everybody out there because the politicians, they're going to have their beaks in the trough. They're starting to finalize on deciding where they will have gambling in the city of New York. And I'm not talking the casino down in an aqueduct. You know, that's electronic. I'm talking about where they'll have the board games, like a casino you would see in Atlantic City, or you might see in Bethlehem, or you might see in the Catskills. You know, full-service casino or the boycotter. Where Frank likes to go. These are the choices. And there's a lot of money. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of pay for play here. First off, uh, Governor Kathy uh, Crime Wave Holcomb had disappeared this weekend, right? In the midst of all the Michigash taking place, right? First off, her opponent nearly got killed in Monroe County uh, outside uh, of the uh, VFW Hall by that crazy Almost got killed or at least seriously injured. Luckily, he was able to grab that guy's wrist before he sliced his jugular. You would have thought that crime wave Kathy Holcomb, uh, the modicum of decency would have been, hey, you know, Lee, that's a horrible thing. I'd like to assign you state troopers until November 8th to guarantee you and your family and uh, uh, your security. Never did that. You know why she never did that? Because she was away in California two days in a row. Meantime, Rochester is in a crime crisis. The gangs and the drug dealers have taken over. 44 murders per capita per person. It is the murder capital of New York State. 250 shootings. A 26-year-old veteran was shot down. An execution in the streets. 17 shots fired into a squad car. He and his partner were were assigned to this particular street. So there's a crime emergency, and where's the governor with the state troopers? She was in California. Two days in a row. What was she doing in California? Well, I think she was being wine-dined and pocket-lined by the healthcare industry. That's right, you Holcomb supporters out there. I've tracked her down. Irvine, Los Angeles, the Napa Valley, at pay-for-play events... You think she was hanging out with the Pelosi's in Napa Valley? I hope, one thing, she didn't have Mr. Pelosi drive her to her hotel. See, Matt, you didn't even get that. That went right over your head. But she's back, and do you think anybody in the press corps will say, excuse me, Madam Governor, where were you for like two days? All hell is breaking loose in the state of New York. And she'll say, it's none of your B.I.B. business. And you know there are no rules and regulations that mandate that a governor has to tell you where they're going, whether it was Governor Pataki, Governor Rockefeller, Governor Hochul, Andrew Evelace Cuomo, or my, uh, what do I call him? Uh, governor Patterson. Oh, yeah, Governor Patterson. Oh, my God. I, I, I got to talk about the guy. It has to do with these casinos. here. And oh, oh, what a mess. What a mess. The last time that we had to decide casinos, right? It was the Racino at Aqueduct. It hadn't been built yet. And who was there? Well, my husband-in-law, remember? Governor Patterson. And he had relationships with the former Congressman Floyd Flake, the chairman of the State Senate Racing and Wagering Committee, State Senator Eric Adams, John Sampson, Malcolm Smith, and they almost all went to jail. Because he was dealing with one bidder and one bidder only, AEG from Nevada that was whining, dining, and pocket lining them. And the state inspector general said, you know, if you'd have gone a few more steps, all you guys, you'd have been on the daisy chain perp walk. That's one Racino. Now, we potentially have the option of three regular gaming casinos in New York City. Now, Eric Adams, the mayor, said we'll be satisfied with two. So let's look at the locations that are outlined. This just came out tonight. This is breaking news. First place, the Hudson Yards. Hudson Yards, it's empty. It's like the catacombs. There's nothing there. They can turn it into mausoleum space or storage space, and nobody's coming back there. So the owner-operator, Steve Ross, has already given Kathy Hochul an extraordinary amount of money. This is where pay for play comes in. So he says, put the casino here in the Hudson Yards. Then all of a sudden you have Times Square. Yes, Times Square. Oh, my God. They want to put a casino there. Uh, Green, Mark Green's uh, brother, Steve, he wants the opportunity to put it there. Then you have Renato that wants to redevelop Penn Station. They just contributed $1.2 billion. And the state is matching them. And that's not Steve Ross, that's Steve Ross. You gotta keep like it's like you're a manager of you know for baseball. You have a lineup here of all the people that are involved. And that's just in Manhattan. Then if you go outside to Queens by City Field, you got Steve Cohen, owner of the Mets. He wants the casino out there and our own. Owner and operator of Red Apple Media, John Katzmatidis, would like to see the casino, one of the casinos, built out in Coney Island. So you got all these. Now, the problem is we got really two people here at WABC that I think we could categorize. I think it's fair, Matt Blaze, to say they are degenerate gamblers. One is your own Frank Marano, and the other is uh, Rosenberg. Absolutely. In the morning. No doubt about it, Sid. It. <laughs> oh, oh! Also, Bo Dietl. Well, we can say Bo Dietl too. He loves, he loves the hard rock, and the hard rock is in big. They basically have said we're open to buy you. They donated one hundred and twenty thousand dollars to Hochul, so now she's getting wind and dime in pocket line right in her run to finally get elected governor again. Lee Zeldin, please vote for Lee Zeldin, ladies and gentlemen. It's our only hope. Whatever differences you might have had with Lee Zeldin that I had in supporting Andrew Giuliani, it's all over. We've got to elect Lee Zeldin, governor of the state of New York on November 8th. But anyway, put all of that aside. So you have all these opportunities at people to wine, dine, and pocket line Eric Adams, his chief of staff, Frank Caron, who's handling his duties, and whoever uh, Governor Hochul has assigned to uh, filter through all the bids. Problem is... We have Frank Morano, who has already gone on record that if a casino opens in Times Square, he's going to end up in the poorhouse.
6: You're going to see us losing our paycheck every two weeks at this casino. We, If you have to if – I'm on 49th Street, right? If I have to pass 43rd Street and I have to pass a casino on a Friday after I've just gotten paid, what do you think I'm doing? Come on. Of course I'm going to go in there and pay.
2: So we're going to make a decision based on Frank Morano, and he wouldn't stop. He wouldn't stop. It's like we have to make a decision based on the fact that he
6: can't control himself. So what this is going to cost us in terms of additional infrastructure, in terms of social welfare spending because of gambling, is going to be very problematic, very problematic. And I'm not convinced that it's going to be made up by the increased jobs, or the increased tax revenue. Sorry.
2: I think he's not sure that he can get a sweetheart deal like he has at the Borgata, you know, where they give him the presidential suite on a weekend, an au pair to watch, uh, you know, a little Carmine, while uh, he and Rachel, you know, free buffet, free buffet wherever they go, and free mimosas. You know, free mimosas. He's like half in the bag, and he's shooting craps and losing his shirt. That's Rachel. She'll be playing the slots while he's shooting craps. But let me just explain to Frank, and everybody else out there. It's it's going to happen. Eric Adams wants two. They're going to be three. I have a feeling that the third one might be at the other casino up near Yonkers. So that's on the Westchester side. But we'll see what happens. But the tax rates for any of the casinos here will be higher than the four that are upstate. there will be about 30 40% of the take. That's pretty damn good. And uh, it'll be about 25% of the slot revenue, which is damn good, and 10% of all the table game revenue. So we're not supposed to have the casino in Times Square because Frank and other degenerate gamblers can't control themselves.
6: I think it would be an awful idea, capital A, capital I, awful idea to expand gambling in the New New York area. And in North Jersey, I think it would be terrible for for everybody, really, except arguably the casino owners that get to make a lot of money with the expansion of casino gambling.
2: Now, I just heard him say. New York, right, the southern tier, Mid-Hudson Valley and northern Jersey. So he's a shill for Atlantic City. See, <laughs> You He's a shill because they're going to get hurt by this. Look, all the there are too many casinos. You got all the casinos now in Atlantic City as it's been revived. You got the casino out in Bethlehem, the old U.S. steel plant. You know, got them in Wilkes barre Mount Airy Lodge. Remember, you used to go to Mount Airy Lodge just to have some lovey dovey time away or play golf. Now you lose all your money, uh, shooting craps. And then you got, they're everywhere, these casinos. You, you got the Native Indians right up in Connecticut, Mohegan Sun, and the other one. It's like, you can't look around without finding a casino. Then you got the one in the Catskills. You got the one, although I don't know what kind of casino it is in Long Island. Maybe somebody can explain to me what that is. Uh, I passed it, but I've never gone into it. one 800 That's one eight hundred eight four 848 wabc And finally, Frank Morano, who's like, he's going to be the decision maker on this over our dead bodies. The taxpayers' bodies had this to say.
6: Do you think Times Square... You think Midtown Manhattan really needs casinos? It takes forever to get anywhere in Times Square now or anywhere in Midtown if you're driving. You really want to add the additional traffic of casinos. And, look, there are economically depressed or economically struggling areas of the state. Manhattan is not one of them. And Manhattan's problems, economically at least, have to do with other issues aside from a lack of casinos. Well,
2: wow, he really doesn't want a casino in Manhattan. So that would rule out the Hudson Yards. That would rule out Times Square. Well, he might like it because he's a Met fan, okay, Citi Field. But I think he'll like it if John Katsimatidis' choice comes through Coney Island. Because guess what, Matt Blaze? He can lose all of his money uh, at the casino on the boardwalk in Coney Island, and then get free tickets to the Cyclones games and free brunch, booze brunch, or whatever they call it, and free dirty water hot dogs. I still can't get over the fact he went to the Cyclones. And last Sunday, and you know what he did? He writes me an email. Didn't invite me to the barbecue. No, no, But he, he sends me an email early Sunday morning. Oh, Curtis, uh, I have some extra tickets here Would you like to join me and the lovely Rachel and uh, my son Carmine? We're going to the Cyclones game at 2.30. That was last Sunday. I'm on the air from 3 to 5. That means I would have been off the shift. John and Margo would have said, oh, my God, the only thing that would have stopped Curtis, he must be dead. And then they would find out he missed his shift because he was at the Cyclones game in Coney Island for free tickets. Free booze and free dirty water hot dogs? And he didn't go to the Ferry Hawks game. By the way, at the end of this hour, we're giving away free Ferry Hawk tickets for next Saturday's extravaganza. All-star game between uh, the staff here at WABC, the people you know, the people you've heard about playing the NYPD before the game. And then it's uh, the Ferry Hawks who are doing quite well now. They have the only female in all of professional baseball. She plays the outfield. She pitches versus... The uh, Lancaster Barnstormers, who, true to what they do, they build barns as Amish people during the day. They sell cakes, and then they get into their horse buggies with the little orange triangles on the back, and they're going to make their way all the way to the North Shore, Staten Island, and Ferry Hawk Park. That's coming up. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Brett, who's calling from Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Brett. Yes, hello, Brett. Oh, Brett! Brett, all of a sudden, decided he couldn't deal with it. Right? There he is, Brett. Brett, Brett I, I know you're there. Look, I realize you're a first time caller. We'll go. I'll go easy on you. I'm not gonna slap you around. I'll give you an opportunity to be heard because this is a call generated program. I I don't do guests. I give you the opportunity to speak, Brett. But. I guess you're in Staten Island there. You probably, like Frank Marano, couldn't find your way to the Ferryhawks game. You'd end up in Coney Island going to the Cyclones game. Madonna, my. Anyway, let's go to Tony calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tony.
4: Hey, man. Um, listen, once upon a time in Coney Island, weren't they talking about bringing, like, Disney over there to revamp Coney Island? Why don't they invest? And something that's more family oriented and family friendly instead of trying to milk every last dime and nickel out of New Yorkers,
2: well, Tony New Yorkers are already gambling uh they're just going to casinos that we don't we don't get the benefits from you do understand they're going to the Catskills nearby they're going to uh uh, Bethlehem, they're going to Mount Airy Lodge in Pennsylvania, they're going to Wilkes-Barre, they're going to Atlantic City, they go everybody. But here, we need, I mean, they're going to gamble. There's no way you can stop this. And why should the, the taxable dollars of New York City residents end up going out of state? 30 40% of their money is going to go into the treasury of the states that they go and gamble in. 25% of their slots uh, that they spend is going to go to that state, and 10% from their table games. So might as well come to New York City. And that probably that third casino, I have a feeling, will go to Yonkers, Yonkers Raceway, where the Racino is now. They just flip the Racino into an uh, all-purpose uh, casino with board games. Uh, should we give Brett an opportunity to come back? Should we? Should we? Yeah, you think... Hey Brett, uh, I'm gonna give you another opportunity just because. Thank you. Oh, thank you, thank you, Brett. Am I on? Yeah, you're Hello? on. You're on. You're on, Brett. You're talking. Thank you so much. And uh, a lot of times,
4: forgive me, but a lot of times, um, if I call or someone calls, you're you're talking about something else. By the time you, that um, the caller gets in, I just want to say something quick. Uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time. But the Lee Zellman, if you wanted to... Hold on, hold, hold on,
2: Brett, Brett, Brett. I'm going to give you plenty of time. You don't want to take up too much of my time. But now you really do want to take up some of my time, right? Not, <laughs> not, right? You, you, you understand, I caught you on that, Brett.
5: Yeah, I'm
4: already, I'm already open. I already opened that door back up. You were talking about it like 10 minutes
2: ago. No, I don't go back door, Brett. But uh, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Brett.
4: Use a, uh, a Mickey Mouse um, uh, keychain to, to stab or kill. Trying, when you sharpen it or uh, fine-tune I mean, put it on a grinder or something, and fine tune kind of, you know, walk up and, and I'll try and poke him with a, a
2: little... Uh, Mickey Mickey Mouse. No, Brett, Brett, you got to understand, first off, uh, Brett, what the guy used to attack Lee Zeldin there oftentimes is used on a keychain. It's actually sold as a martial arts defense weapon, like a coubaton, which is a little stick, which you can use as a defensive uh, weapon in case you get attacked. In this case, he was using it offensively, like you would uh, a partial brass knuckle with a jaded side to it. It looked like a cat. My wife hates that. She saw that, and she got, oh, people are going to hate cats now. I remember the animal welfare hour coming up. She can explain that. But I, I got to give it to Lee. I watched it. I analyzed it. The guy comes up. Okay, he's a little tipsy, but, hey, that makes them more dangerous. And He goes. And Lee grabs him by the wrist, which is exactly what you have to do. you got to control the hand that he has the weapon in. If not, he might have slashed Lee. He might have got him right in the jugular. He could have bled out. There was no ambulances around there. There were no cops. Uh, to her credit, uh, his uh, lieutenant governor Kennedy, former deputy inspector of the NYPD, uh, Esposito, she used to be at the 70 precinct for Deuce film. She jumped in. A number of others who were there jumped in, and they held him down. And then he was brought for his arraignment in Monroe County, and you know what happened. Second-degree attempted assault, and he got cut loose on his own recognizance. Then he had to be brought back on Saturday uh, to federal court, and he was indicted for on account of federal assault, which is exactly what uh, John Katzmetidis and his guests said on the roundtable discussion at 5. And McCarthy, who wrote a huge op-ed in the New York Post and Friday's Post, said, you got to charge him federally. You have to. You can't leave it to these local DAs. They just cut them loose. And in this case, he released on his own recognizance, not even supervised release, not even with an ankle bracelet from Fortune Offs. Our number is 1 eight hundred eight 848 9222. Let's go to Leah, who's calling from Newark, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Leah.
5: Curtis, it's always good to speak to you. Um, I told you, of course, your originally I wanted to speak.
2: Hold on a second, Leah. You're coming in in a very broken-up matter. Uh, can you get into a better position to speak to us?
5: Yeah. Better now? Much better. Okay. Originally, I was going to talk to you about Eric Adams' uh, commercial for the Democratic uh, um, uh
2: conference, Convention. Convention. Right.
5: But I was very interested in what you had to say about my favorite clergyman and co-host, A.R. Bernard.
2: Oh, yeah, A.R. Bernard, who is heard every uh, Sunday here from 6 did, in the morning yeah, to seven. I
5: listen to him. I listened to him. In fact, I was the one that told you that time that uh, Eric Adams was on the spot. Okay, how does he rate spots on, cat, on um, Cats' Roundtable?
2: Oh, you mean uh, A.R. Bernard has not been on Cats' Roundtable. He's just with Rabbi Joe Potashnik Sunday morning no, from no, 6. No, no, th-
5: no. He was on on Juneteenth.
2: Oh, okay. And,
5: uh, one time since then. All
2: right. Well, obviously he's a well-educated man. He's knowledgeable. He he started with a little storefront ministry in Williamsburg. I remember that. He's now pastor of a mega church, uh, which used to be junkyards there and Pennsylvania Avenue and uh, um, uh, Flatlands Avenue. So he he's a major success.
5: He's also a follower of Louis Farrakhan.
2: No, he's not a follower of Lewis
5: Farrell. Yes, he's no, made mean. that statement several times. I, I, I'll, I'll tell a you spokesman what. spokesman for black people.
2: Uh, I will, well, he is a spokesperson. I mean, when he has his Savior's Day gathering at McCormick Plaza in Chicago, you would be surprised at the number of high-profile African-Americans who attend. Ice Cube, Ice-T, Snoop Dogg. No, but...
5: Ha- Curtis, he makes that
2: statement on his program. All right, I'll have a conversation. I've known him many years, uh, A.R. Bernard. I'll, 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 I'll have a conversation with him. What broke my heart is when I saw Chaka Khan there. Yeah, yeah. Chaka Khan supported the Guardian Angels in Chicago. She was there with Farrakhan. And they were saying to me, what are you doing here? I said, why, my complexion is not my protection, huh? I don't get to hear the hate monger himself, the hate monger in chief, talk about how Jews are termites and how white people are devils. It was the ancient experiment by Yakub. Yes, nomad blaze, Yakub. He was a white scientist who went mad. And in an experiment, he created Urio-Asiatic black men. Man, this guy's a real loon. Oh, Farrakhan, Farrakhan. What a screwball, crackpot, hater. Oh, you want to know how smart Farrakhan is? I've had prostate cancer. A lot of people have had prostate cancer. Bernard McGurk is struggling with prostate cancer now. He's getting therapy. He's doing much better. So Farrakhan has stage four prostate cancer. He's right in Chicago. Some of the best hospitals imaginable. But a lot of Jewish doctors. So his very dear friend at that time was Muammar Gaddafi, who was funding Screwy louis Farrakhan, because out of all the potential business adventures he could get into, Screwy louis Farrakhan wanted to compete with Johnson & Johnson's hair products. You know, jerry curls, relaxers, all that. It's like, really? Out of all the things you could be on, he was getting greased by... By his number one friend in the world at that time. Number one friend for us, as you know, Muammar Gaddafi. Sometimes he was our friend, sometimes he's our enemy. Bush 43 said, Give up all your nuclear weapons. Sure, no problem. Next thing you know, a Libyan is wearing a Yankee hat with a 22 upside where the sun doesn't shine and blasted him into the year after he took uh, the Paradise Express to Allah's side. Boy, was that smart giving up his nuclear weapons. So, anyway, he's giving. He's giving uh, Farrakhan all this money. He said, why do you want to go to a hospital in America? Come to Tripoli. We'll take good care of you. You sure? Yeah. We'll fly you out. He goes to Tripoli. They butchered him. If you notice, Farrakhan was off the radar screen for four years. He was recovering at his mansion in North Phoenix. He wasn't even in the south side of Chicago. They butchered him up. The uh, doctors for Omar Gaddafi, none of them Jews or Hindus. That's why these fake, phony, fraudulent uh, Saudi princes, you know, who bow five times a day in Mecca and Medina, when all of a sudden they have a gastronomical issue or a prostate cancer issue, they end up coming here to Columbia Presbyterian. And naturally the faithful say, are you dealing with Jewish doctors? Of course not. It's Columbia Presbyterian. They're Presbyterian doctors. And those schmucks and those putts believe that. They got the whole 17 floors all for the house of fraud. The Saudis from the UAE, Dubai, Oman, you know, the Gulf States. They all hate Jews. But God, when they got a problem, give me a Jewish doctor, please. Please, I I, I got a goiter problem. Jews know about that. Please, I need a Jewish
1: doctor wabc he knows new york he is new york cred that the others don't have curtis lewa talk radio 77 wabc
0: bright like said it gonna set my soul gonna set my soul on fire Got a whole lot of money that's ready to burn So get those stakes up higher There's a thousand pretty women waiting out there They're all living, the devil may care And I am just a devil with love as So be Las Vegas be Well, it hasn't happened yet, ladies and gentlemen
2: Hasn't Vegas, happened Vegas, yet, I thought for sure, by now jlo now that J-Lo, now now she's jenny wah, wah, Affleck. i know what would she do her name j-lo it was smooth it, you know jenny on the block grew up in castle hill legitimately the bronx went to preston high school diva of all divas you know she goes through men faster than uh, she goes through designer clothes but you know last week remember surprise wedding haha <laughs> yeah surprise she got married to whack whack men Affleck. I thought for sure she would have filed an annulment by now. You know, usually what happens. Look, Britney Spears, right? Same thing. Within 55 hours, she had an annulment. Did I marry this guy? And then the best one was Carmine Electra of Baywatch, who hooked up with Dennis Rodman in a drug-induced psychosis. They went to the white little chapel downtown where the Elvis guy could marry you. Then they don't let him do it now because they had trademark and copyright problems with that. And then within five days, Carmen Electra, who finally recovered from that drug-induced psychosis, said, I married Dennis Rodman. Annulment. Annulment. Well, so far, it's been a full week. We see pictures of J.Lo smooching like she's uh, got lots of estrogen smashing through her cranium with Ben Quack Quack Affleck. I don't know. But I will tell you this, Vegas has problems. That's why the casinos here might begin to do very well. Uh, They're a desert. They've always been a desert. From the time Bugsy Siegel went out there and he told Meyer Lansky, his uh, lifelong friend that grew up in the uh, Lower East Side, if we build it, they will come. And Meyer said, the boys back home aren't going to give you enough time. (laughs) You know, there's nobody here. It's the sagebrush. And the boys took care of him. Remember, he was in Los Angeles. I think he was in Beverly Hills. He was one hot to trot blonde. They were necking and smooching on the sofa, and right through that plate glass window, they shot him fifty-six times with Tommy guns. Hey, he didn't deliver it to the boys, but you know something? How do you how do you do a rebate with that after the guy is dead? It turned out Bugsy Siegel was right. But they now have a curfew on the strip because of gangbangers who are coming in and having shootouts at night, and there's no water. You know, all their water comes from Lake Mead. Everyone out in the southwest in California uh, have big problems. They don't have enough water because they either draw it off the Colorado River and it's just not enough water. And Lake Mead, if you look at it from satellite photography, there's, it's, it's like parched. There's no water. So now, now don't forget watering your lawns. There are no lawns right in Vegas. It's a desert. You can't put water in your pool. You can't have ice cubes in your drinks. And you know the casinos love to put a lot of ice cubes in the water down the drinks. It's not enough water to water. So people are knocking back Jameson straight. They're loving it. This is a problem. Nobody's talking about this problem. You know, with all the heat that we have and we think we have it bad, you know, we're going to be going this uh, way in the high 90s, hot, sweltering, humid heat until probably about Tuesday or Wednesday. But in other parts of the country, they've been over 100. Austin and Texas, 40 days, over 100. They don't have any water there. You know, without water, you know, what do you think? You're a dromedary camel or one hum camel. You drink one time and you can survive. No, that's the one thing you have to have, water. Unless you're a breathariest, you know, you survive on inhaling and exhaling. Wow, big trouble. Big troubles there in Las Vegas and big troubles in the southwest portion of our country. And naturally, California, they don't have enough water. In fact, you could do a drive-by killing and nothing happens to you in L.A. County. Nothing. Because of Gason, the guy, you know, is going to be recalled, the D.A. there. But they have inspectors who go around to see if you watered your lawn. They sneak up on you. If they see any kind of moisture, they write you up. If they catch you a second time, you know, washing your car or watering your lawn, they lock you up in L.A. County. You could kill somebody. You don't go to jail in L.A. You can jaywalk. Oh, my God, that's considered a major crime. The worst crime is if you water your lawn and you wash your car. That's it, San Quentin Folsom, for you. Maybe even the death chamber, the gas chamber. It is crazy out there. Anyway, speaking of crazy, they had a conference in Aspen in Colorado where they didn't get enough snowpack, so they're hurting for water throughout Colorado. Because, you know, Aspen skiing. They didn't have enough. They're hurting out there. But... Our uh, officials in the CIA, Criminals in Action, our National Security Agency, and our military uh, intelligence uh, guys and gals were warning us that China is collecting our DNA material fast and furiously and that they are going to use it to develop bioweapons targeting specific groups of Americans or even individuals. Now, before I get into the nitty-gritty of these details, because, wow, I could actually see the Red Chinese doing this. Am I the only one to call them the Red Chinese? Oh, mainland China. No, no, no. The Red Chinese. Our own Frank Morano actually was ahead of the curve on this. Yes, Matt Blaze, I'm going to give him praise, believe it or not. He actually, long ago, I remember listening to the other side of midnight. I listen all the time, Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5. And he was talking how the Mormons will never take his DNA. If members of the Church of the Latter-day Saints, the Mormon tabernacle squad, the Mormon uh, choir comes for him, Donny Osman and his, uh, his sister come for him to get his DNA. Because, you know, the Mormons, they want the DNA to be able to tell you that you were a king sometime years and years ago in the Balkans. You know, no one was ever a slave or serfs. Uh, or indentured servants. Everybody was like Oprah. Oh, I was a queen, you know. Get out of here. But they made a ton of money by you sending your DNA, and then you sit at home. Oh, wow, how many princes was I related to and queens? Oh, was I part of the of the Habsburg Empire? Meantime, hey, you're Slavic, right, which meant you were a slave. But Frank Marano was on the cutting edge before the threat of the Red Chinese. He swore he was not going to give up his DNA.
6: By voluntarily giving up your DNA, you are hurting everybody that you're related to, everybody that you may be related to in the future.
2: Now, wait a second. I didn't hear anything about the Red Chinese. You didn't mention it. Let, let, let me. I'll give him one more chance.
6: By voluntarily giving up your DNA, you are hurting everybody that you're related to, Everybody that you may be related to in the future.
2: All right. I have my thoughts about that because in his family, almost every person is named Carmine. And if you go by the over-under point spread, one of them is going to be a member of organized crime, right? It's just he lives in Staten Island. Like, you know, it it, it eventually – is that why? Uh, Let me hear his other rationale.
6: So – this can result in arrests of guilty relatives for crimes they committed, but also this could lead to potentially false positives, mistakenly identifying innocent people. This had nothing to do with the Red Chinese.
2: He knows. He knows. He may be affiliated. it may be members in his family named Carmine affiliated with organized... Everybody in his family is named Carmine. Let me tell you what the uh, Congressman Jason Crow said over the weekend at Aspen, Colorado. He said, look, the Red Chinese have been collecting our DNA data for many, many, many years, claiming that it was to develop medical concepts to help in dealing with cancer, uh, cardio issues, uh, viruses, diseases. You know, it seemed like a good thing. He said, they will try to get you. Now, think about this, Matt Blaze. You've got something to hide. I think you're a fugitive. Nobody has a name like Blaze. that That's a fake name. I, I, I think you have an alias. Might have a few aliases. But I had no idea that this red Chinese company, 23 Me, what kind of a company would have a name, 23andMe, actually tries to get you to spit into a cup and then they process your data, and they do a complete background through your DNA. And guess what? Your DNA is now owned by the Red Chinese, and there's nothing you can do about it. And apparently, they can then send some kind of a biochemical virus and cause harm to you individually or to your family to a whole group of individuals. In fact, it's like right out of that new James Bond movie, you know, No Time to Die. I mean, that was one of the uh, theories out there. And apparently the Red Chinese have been doing this a lot. Now, what does this have to do with Bill Gates, right? And then, I'm extrapolating here. Bill Gates, remember Microsoft, he left, but he still has the billions. You know, him and Warren Buffett, the sage of Omaha, you know, they play cards. By the way, uh, Bill Gates has Big Macs every day for lunch. Big Macs. He's a big McDonald's guy. Big Macs. Maybe that's why he bought up all that farmland in North Dakota, you know, so uh, the cows could graze out there so he could eat even more Big Macs. But this is amazing. You know, he's on the cutting edge of all this fake meat products, you know, where they develop it in a laboratory. So between all the farmland that he has – and all the fake meat products that he is developing, and the Red Chinese buying up farmland also, if they're intentionally spreading diseases and harming agriculture, causing food scarcity, both of them are potentially enemies of all of us. So it's interesting. Let's take... um, a highly pathogenic avian influenza or African swine flu, they could develop that as a biological weapon, Matt Blaze, now that they have your DNA, and they can direct it right at you and you alone. I want to hear more of this. I got to believe that Frank Morano is going to have on some kind of expert on the other side of midnight about this. Because, you know, uh, what did he say was what was the
6: reason he wouldn't give up his DNA with the red Chinese? What was it? By voluntarily giving up your DNA, you are hurting everybody that you're related to, everybody that you may be related to in the future. All right. Now, that makes sense.
2: That would say, uh oh, you know, the red Chinese, the Russians, Bill Gates, look
6: out. But then he ruins it. So this can result in arrests of guilty relatives for crimes they committed. But also this could lead to potentially false positives, mistakenly identifying innocent people.
2: That means one of the many Carmines in his family is a member of organized crime. I right? got. To, I mean, he was on a roll. And this was how many months ago, Matt? He was on the cutting edge. This is like six months ago. Meantime, Russia... Right. Putin. Right. Putin. Oh, any moment he's going to die. You know, he's, he's shaking like a leaf. He's like Janet Reno. He's like, yes, yeah, sir. Arafat. He's like Muhammad Ali. You know, He's got Parkinson's disease. He's got blood cancer. He's got a, a heart ailment. You know, he takes special baths with elk with, with elk. Uh, what is that? Elk dust. You know, he does all these strange things in Siberia. You know, he's a recluse. He doesn't talk to anybody. He's in a bunker. Now the CIA, our CIA criminals in action in Aspen at that same conference said, he's going to live forever. But one thing we know that Vladimir Putin does is he kills his political opponents with chemicals, right, with bio weapons, and apparently, Putin might use this technology of DNA to go after all of his enemies. So to target his enemy, Zelensky, right? Yeah, you know that's yeah, that's number one for Putin. Wow, man! I hope I hope Frank Morano's got to get. I'm gonna be up all night. You know, I'm wired up. You know, I me I don't sleep. Be plenty of time to sleep when I'm dead. So I provided the hors d'oeuvre on what is the number one story that is now trending. At that Aspen conference, members of our CIA, Criminals in Action, our national security agencies, members of the intelligence committees of both the House of Representatives and the Senate, are warning us. That our enemies, a.k.a. the Red Chinese, a.k.a. Vladimir Putin, a.k.a. Bill Gates, could use DNA tests to kill us individually, a family, a group, workers, important workers, that they're able to somehow develop with your DNA. And simply, it could easily be, as he had mentioned, spitting in a cup. And all of a sudden, this corporation that they control, 23 and me. I never heard of a corporation like that, right? And then they own your DNA. It's a private company, but it's owned by the red Chinese, like the farmland that they own, side by side with Bill Gates. Why would they be up in North Carolina? Do you think that's why they were riding outside of that concert? I mean, think about it. Who is more Trump? Who is more into Miller High Life beer? Who is more into Coors beer than Kid Rock? Could I have a little Kid Rock music? I need a little motivation there. Think of it. The Red Chinese have bought up half the farmland in North Dakota. Bill Gates has bought up the other half the farmland. They're all experimenting with DNA. Bill Gates is making faux meat, you know, uh, meat that you develop in a laboratory that's not really meat. And the Red Chinese are getting everybody who are at these concerts, you know, whether you're drinking Miller High Life or Coors Beer, to spit in your solo cup. And then they're collecting it under the guise of the company 23 and Me, and they're shipping it back to Beijing. What happened? What what, what happened? Oh, my God. There he was, Kid Rock. No more Pamela Anderson. You know, it's been rough to know that the number one controller of information in the world, the WikiLeaks, geeky-looking guy, right? That she is, like, enamored with him, that she has eyes only for Julian Assange. And not for Kid Rock anymore. Wasn't he just with Tucker Carlson up there in Moose Rock, Maine, or whatever that was? They had to bleep out his interviews. Like, Meantime, he wouldn't come out on stage. 18,000 people were rioting. They're throwing Miller High Life. They're throwing Coors. You know they're serious when they throw their beer up on the stage. And the sheriff said, hey, Kid Rock, could you just go out there, calm the crowd down? Like they said to Trump, you know, you got all these thousands of Michigash people storming the Capitol. You you think you could tell them, hold off? Kid Rock said, are you crazy? I go out there, they'll kill me. 1-800-848-9222. Up next, you're going to get a chance to win free tickets. That's right, free tickets. Not to the Cyclones in Coney Island. Where Frank Murano loves to hang out but with the Ferry Hawks on the North Shore of Staten Island. I'll be there. Get your pads and fans, boy. Because if you don't win, you'll want to be there next Saturday. You're going to have a WABC All-Stars. We're going to be playing the NYPD All-Stars first. And then it's the Ferry, Herc, Ferry Hawks versus the Lancaster Barnstormers who by day have to put up barns, which is the Amish tradition, bake cakes, and then they get into their horse uh, and buggy carriages with the little uh, triangles on the back, the orange triangles, and they'll work their way down to the North Shore, Staten Island. And it doesn't matter who wins. You know, it's the Furry Hawks are going to win. they got the only woman in all of professional baseball. She's a pitcher. She plays the outfield. But even if somehow the Ferry Hawks lose... There will be post-game fireworks. Call right now, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. And if you're the seventh caller, you get two tickets to come free. Anyway, let's go to Tom calling from Hazleton, Pennsylvania. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tom.
0: Hello. Uh, Yeah, we used to have a priest named Father Mazzari. He was a monsignor. And the Catholic school, the CYO league, had a game against Bristol in Pennsylvania, and uh, I had an issue with Arlen Specter. Hey, wait,
2: wait, wait! Hold uh, on, second. hold on, Tom. Tom. Uh, let me, let me, let me slow down you down. I think Tom's oh. been. Uh... Hey, Tom. Hey, hey, it's hot. I realize even in Hazelton, it's like close to a hundred. What have you been using to cool off there, Tom? You, a few brewskis? Yeah, I, I have I have a fan, and uh,
5: hey, she's, she lives up on uh, uh, goat
2: Hill. Now, I know. I know exactly where that is, Tom. But you cannot dispar, disparage Arlen Specter. Arlen Specter is a friend of mine. He'd been the district attorney in Philadelphia, then became the U.S. Senator-Republican. It was in the middle of a crime crisis. It was back in 1980. He invited me to the Senate to speak about crime because I had just started the Guardian Angels in Philadelphia. You know who should have invited me? Alphonse Alley boyd Demont. said, I'm not inviting him. Arlen said, well, you know, he's from your state. I'll invite him. Remember the one bullet theory, right? The JFK Commission, he thought it was one bullet, Arlen Specter, and then he became a Democrat and a Republican, a Democrat, Republican, Democrat. I love Tom. I would not allow Tom to disparage the great Arlen Specter, who no doubt Frank Morano has probably interviewed at some point in his. Uh, what a great interview he is. I mean, look, that's. I, I can't take that away. He is the best interviewer here at WABC. Hey, John Katzimatidis does great interviews. Sid and Bernard in the morning, the rest of the crew, and nobody does it. Oh, come on, we have to admit I'll bet you he's going to come on tonight and say, here is the interview I did with Arlen Specter two days before he died. One bullet theory, remember? No, he didn't think the grassy, no, no, he didn't buy into that. Let's go, uh, if we can, to Michael, who's calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Michael.
4: Yes, Curtis. I I won the uh, tickets to the Ferry Horse game, and if I bring my acoustic guitar, will you sign it for me? I have a black magic marker. Would you please sign my guitar for me?
2: Wow. you Look, you're asking me, you know, I should be thrilled that you want my signature on that, and it's not a check because it was a check. It would bounce, I guarantee you. With my name on it, it would not clear.
4: No, I really want you to autograph my 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 guitar, my acoustic guitar. I won tickets. Are they going to mail them to me? Because I don't have my email.
2: Oh wait, um, wait, wait, wait a second. When when did you win them, Michael?
4: Uh, I was
5: waiting about an hour to talk to you. Um, I won them about an hour ago. The first time you announced
2: it. Oh, oh okay. Well, well, did we get uh, did we get Michael's info? You sure? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, wait. He- oh, hold on a second. Hold on a second, Michael. This is the Frank Marano crew. <laughs> You know, this is like NASA, you know, a space launch. Check, 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 double check. This ain't the Mensa crew here. We're talking special ed. Michael, I guarantee you I will make sure you get your tickets so you don't have email. They got to mail them to you, right?
5: 746 River Road, Piscataway,
2: New Jersey. Oh, Piscataway. You know who used to go to Piscataway? God bless you. So. Uh, hold on. Do you know who used to come seven days a week to Piscataway, Michael?
5: No, I don't know, Curtis.
2: I'm going to tell you a story right now. And even though at times I have issue with her, ever since she hooked up with Tony Bennett and I saw her in Central Park wheeling him, you know, in the wheelchair, what, what, what did you do to Tony Bennett, the Astoria kid? Lady Gaga, Thunder Thighs. When she had black hair and not blonde hair, she went seven days a week to the Port Authority, took that New Jersey transit bus, oh, my God. That's torture. To meet in her producer's basement, to learn her craft. And now you know the rest of the story. And she uh, was with uh, Bradley Cooper, right, in that movie. Remember, we started, they would going oh, urge to merge, you know. Never happened, right? So who did he end up snacking on? Huma. Former wife of Anthony Weiner. And when I first read that story in the New York Post, page six, you know, Cooper and whom, I said, Anderson Cooper? I thought he was gay. I'll never forget, he wrote in his memoirs, I was nine years old. My mother had me go to a Broadway play. Richard Gere was starring. And the moment I saw Richard Gere on stage, I knew I was gay. And that was without the Dalai Lama and the gerbils. There is no doubt. Bradley Cooper, yeah, Lady Gaga, they didn't, no, sorry, but that lady, I mean, busted her us to developer imagine, just taking the New Jersey transit bus once would drive you nuts. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, coming up is the most requested, most listened to, most called in segment of the many segments that I do all week in which WABC, the acronym stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis. Remember, it's not just the Quinella listening to me almost all weekend long, but you know, your lunchtime now from Monday through Fridays, I feel part of the bill. You know, it's Bill Riley comes on for 15 minutes. And then I do 45 minutes, Uh, it's a rip-and-read commentary, no calls. It's call-driven all weekend long. Because I've got to just keep pushing on and on and on. And you notice, today's show was nothing like the show from 3 to 5 earlier or the overnight, the other other side of midnight, which is 12 to 6 to the break of dawn, Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings.
1: Over the course of human history... There's been Noah's Ark, Savior of Mankind. St. Francis of Assisi, foregoing his wealth to be Savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, Guardian Angel and Savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Slewa Show presents... Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa from bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between now with Nancy Sliwa here's Curtis Sliwa once again
2: ladies and gentlemen it's the animal welfare hour and Nancy uh, it's hot you're schwitzing out there I know you don't deal with the heat all that well correct Oh, you see, typical sabotage, the Frank Morano coup here. Let's see, you may have to call her back. What, what did you drop, a, like, a bad habit here?
7: No, no, uh, okay, yeah, no, I'm here.
2: So, no, you know, I just got to watch my back uh, with this Matt Blaze. By the way, Nancy, you yeah. ever heard a guy with a last name named Blaze?
7: Um, Like an an actual name? No,
2: no. And you have been a criminal defense attorney, right, representing yes, I, yes, some correct, really yeah. some really bad dudes
7: right um, uh well, you know i mean it yeah it, uh, yeah well i mean yeah with with odd names yeah. yes correct. does
2: doesn't it sound like he's probably got a few aliases
7: yeah, i mean, it does sound like a a, a name that you would have for that's not legit, so yeah. Uh,
2: absolutely. It's okay. We'll get down to it. You know, <laughs> PI, Nancy Slee, was very good at this. She does an extraordinary job of <laughs> researching. She'll find out who you really are and how long you've been a fugitive from justice, Matt Blaze. <laughs> but with the hot, sweltering heat. It feels like it's over 100. It's hard for human beings sometimes to function and breathe. I know it's difficult for you to go two blocks in this heat. I love <laughs> it. I love it. I'm like a, a pig in a trough. I, uh, it's not hot enough for me with my red sateen jacket and my red wool beret. But animals. Yes. What should we looking out for for the many animals out there? Because a lot of people don't think of their needs. And this we're going to have heat like this going on Until maybe Tuesday or Wednesday,
7: yes, well, yeah, so I would say obviously, with um you know uh your personal um pets, I think a lot of people are very cognizant of what they're doing with them, hopefully, but you know sometimes with with some of these uh you know sort of indoor outdoor pets, people forget that you know really they can't sustain this sort of hot temperature, so You really need to bring them indoors but I think the uh, the the bigger issue is for the the all-the-time outdoor animals so for instance um, I know like my mother she lives in Pennsylvania she feeds deer outdoor I know that like I take care of the feral cats I know people in Long Island they feed squirrels like there's a lot of people who are continually interacting with outdoor animals so Because you have that sort of relationship, I think, uh, you know, you you need to be cognizant of making sure that they have all of their, you know, necessary. So it's the cold water. And what's great with the water outdoors that you put outside, you can put ice cubes, right? So they melt slowly. So, you know, it gives a lot of time. But, you know, the outdoor animals, they need to have, like – Either a cool amount of water, you know, you put the food in something that's a shaded area. But with indoor animals, I mean, if people are walking their dogs or if they do have outdoor cats, indoor-outdoor cats, you really need to keep them inside because, you know, the ground could be burning their paws. And there's no reason to really have them outdoors unless they're, you know, a dog. You're bringing them outdoors for a little while, but... You know, they they, ha- they do have that sort of um, ability to have, uh, you know, like heat stroke very quickly if they're in direct sunlight. So, I mean, if you're walking them, that's one thing, but there's no reason to leave them outside. So you really have to be mindful of that. And especially if you're taking care of outdoor animals, I mean, leaving cool um, amounts of, of water is, I, I think, at a minimum, that's a minimum essential thing.
2: Yeah, and I think the thing I've seen in this hot, sweltering, humid heat, uh, animals—whether it's dogs or other animals—is that they'll they'll drink whatever liquid they can find. They're not being very discerning at that moment. And, you know, and
7: and, and that's what I what I've noticed too. Like uh, when I've been you know dealing with cats, uh, uh, outdoor cats through the years, like what you just said, they'll drink any available water source, and. Sometimes that is from something that is poisonous to them. So, you know, if people aren't, aren't going to, you know, make sure that those things, I mean, again, and people might not know what's even happening. It could be like a little drip from, you know, they have a car sitting outdoors. They have a, fa- like, it could be something they're just not aware of. But, you know, you have to be mindful of that, you know, if you're, again, especially if you're cognizant of animals you're feeding outdoors you know just keep an eye on that like is there anything dripping is there any puddles forming like there could be things that are happening where you can be in control of it and make sure that they're not going to get anything poisonous
2: now i think some uh, folks they'll have their dog and the dog normally is panting and they might have their tongue out and they think it's just normal but i think in this hot sweltering humid heat they have to take a, a second maybe a third look to make sure that 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 dog is not dehydrated.
7: Yeah, I mean, and again, if you have a a dog that obviously you would hope that dogs are considered like family, like, oh, they're bringing them uh, back indoors after they go outside and, you know, take care of business. But, I mean, this isn't the weather you keep dogs outdoors for. Like, there's no reason to have that happen. So, on their own, they're not going to know to... You know, scratch at the dog. Oh, I have to come in. Like, well, you have to be mindful of that there's really no reason to leave them outdoors. Like, bring them back inside. Like, that's what you should be doing.
2: Our number is one 800 That's 1-800-848-WABC. This is the most listened to uh, when I look at the ratings and I break the analytics of all the hours I do at WABC. It's the most participatory of uh, all the hours, and it generates the most calls. Whatever is in uh, that may be on your mind involving animal welfare issues, feel free to call 1 800 848 9222. Now, I see that Martha Stewart has yet another animal tragedy on her palazzo, her Ponderosa, her big spread. Uh, could you describe what the first problem was and now what is the problem she has now?
7: Okay, so the first problem that was brought to light was that one of her uh, pet cats was inadvertently left outdoors and when it was trying to come back inside the next morning the dogs that she has like for the dogs they mauled this cat to death because they didn't know who this cat was they thought it was a squirrel that's what she said right so I mean, again, like, that's there's a lot of questions with that story right there. Like, it just sounds odd. Like, I mean, it's not really wise to have indoor outdoor cats. I mean, I'm not sure why the dogs wouldn't have recognized it. But, I mean, that was something that happened a couple months ago. And then it was reported on last month. But then just, uh, like, I think it was yesterday or maybe a few days ago that – and then she she posted stuff on her Instagram account and she also has peacocks that live on her property and apparently there was a a bunch of coyotes that have been lurking in the vicinity for a number of days but you know it that didn't cross her mind to contain the peacocks a little better so now these peacocks got mauled to death and she posted a something on Instagram you know mentioning that all these peacocks had died and the background music to that was Marvin Gaye, Let's Get It On. So... Well, it well, well,
2: just... Wait a second. Okay, so she's posting these things.
7: <laughs> yeah, she's posting them. Which uh-huh.
2: obviously gives you the impression that maybe she shouldn't have <laughs> animals. And then... You know
7: what? There you go. And that's the thing, right? So it's like she's already indicating that she was aware that these coyotes were lurking about. And she had a contained environment for them, but for like a roof and then she allowed them to you know be vulnerable and then they were sadly killed and Now she's just posting about you know there so again i I think this is one of those instances where you know she's putting all the information out there herself that maybe she's not the most responsible animal owner and you know, maybe she shouldn't be owning animals because it, it's difficult for her to take care of them.
2: Well, I got to say, you're posting something about these peacocks who were killed by these coyotes. And what was the music that she had in the background? Uh,
7: Marvin Gaye, Let's Get It On.
2: Marvin Gaye, Let's Get It On. You know yeah, what it I know. is? I'll tell you. I think I know, Nancy. <laughs> You know, she did some federal time for lying to the FBI. They gave her a chance, you know, about insider trading information. They normally don't give you a second chance. Uh, They lied. She lied to them the first time they came back to say, look, our our director has said, give her an opportunity to tell the truth. Let's not lock her up. She lied to him again. She got locked up. And then she hooked up with the Snoop Dogg. I think she's smoking that chronic, you know, the Dr. Dre and Snoop. That's strong stuff. I don't think she can handle chronic.
7: You know what, and, and the thing with, with her, too, is I think that, um, you know, it's like we always talk about people who they have initial, you know, arrest for, you know, um, animal abuses, and it's not really taken seriously. And then, you know, they go to show that they do abuses against society. So here this is like almost a reverse situation. I mean, she's giving all the indications that she shouldn't be – owning animals whatsoever and we have all the history about that so you know maybe we should you know be mindful of that and make sure that she's not taking care of any animals going forward
2: i i would concur with her even though she's a proud polish woman correct
7: uh, i'm not sure about that
2: yeah no no she is uh, that means well, is. you and her mm-hmm. have that in common you're fully uh you're full polish she's full polish you see
7: yeah okay
2: Okay. Our number is one 800 That's 1-800-848-WABC. There was a situation the other day that really didn't get the attention that it was due. It was in the middle of the day. And on the bridge that connects Yankee Stadium on the Bronx side to Manhattan, 145th Street, right down the block from the National Action uh, Network headquarters of Aslam Shady Sharpton, Some guy had dumped a pit bull into the Harlem River. Just dumped him. Now, you know, it had to be on film. It had to be. It was daytime. He he got out of a car. He just threw it over the railing. And some good Samaritan jumped in and kept the dog from going under, kept it afloat, which had to be extraordinarily difficult. First off, you go into the Harlem River, you probably disintegrate. Uh, from all the PCBs and the chemicals in there. And the FDNY came immediately and completed the rescue of the the pit bull, but they never mentioned the Good Samaritan. I can't tell you how many times Good Samaritans come to the aid of either an animal or a person, and we never learn about who they are to give them the credit that they do. You
7: know, and, and in this particular situation, too, I think it's, like it, that, it absolutely should be acknowledged because to jump into that waterway that is clearly so uh, over the top polluted. I mean, that is something that should really be honored, <laughs> especially for an unknown dog, right? Which I mean, this is a, a a breed of dog that clearly is always demonized. It's like oh pit bull mix, and yet this person was willing to do this for an unknown dog. I mean, that is a a beautiful thing. And I mean, I'm surprised that we still don't know who this person is who did this uh, great deed.
2: Not only that, uh, the person who committed this death to Liac, uh, for purposes of description, we'll call him uh, modern day Michael Vick, who probably lives in that general area. And the police, they obviously, they have the license plate, the make and model and description of the car. They probably got the video of the guy taking the dog, throwing him over the uh, the railing into the uh, Harlem River below. But there's no priority. There's no priority within the city of New York, uh, animal control or the police department
7: to well, prioritize the, the, the arrest. I would say the the main thing that this particular story has going for it. Is that it does have that level of you know at least sort of a public notoriety because it's appeared in the news media like I think that's the uh last possibility for a lot of these very important animal issues if they're not going to get the due respect that they deserve and there's really going to be no justice for what's going on which is the which is the case with you know, crimes against people, and especially with animals, there's really no like respect whatsoever. But if something gets attention from the public, that sometimes sways, you know, a particular instance. So, I mean, as as much attention as anything can get, um, on board with it. I want it to be, you know, across the board that these crimes are represented accordingly but the good news is it's in the limelight now so hopefully the person will be brought to justice in the right way
2: our numbers one 800 well there is somebody who got his due it's a dog a dog saved its pal its partner its owner whatever word you want to use to describe it who had fallen into a canyon at tahoe national forest in california describe what it transpired because i understand the man had fallen into this very steep canyon and if not for the dog risking its own life nobody would have found this guy
7: yeah i mean and, and when you say steep it's like 70 feet that's how steep it was like i mean it's amazing that uh he actually survived this fall so he was alone in his you know sort of venture but for, like, his his buddy, his dog. And then when this guy fell, so what happened was I I think he was able to, to some extent, alert people, oh, I'm injured. But, again, he he wasn't able to indicate where he was at. So uh, his dog was able to, and it's like a border collie dog, uh, the, the dog was able to get in close enough proximity to him where when there were a sort of like search and rescue teams that, uh, you know, his dog was able to run in close enough proximity and then lead the search team back to where this individual was. So otherwise this guy might've just, you know, he just succumbed to the injuries he had. So, I mean, yeah, it's like, that's just, you know, that's what the situation is. It's like this dog, you know, was really trying to alert people. Okay, you know, come here. This is where my owner's at.
2: Our number's one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. It's the Animal Welfare Edition here at WABC. Let's go right to the phones, Nancy. It's Carol first up in the queue at WABC. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Carol.
8: Hi, Nancy. I was so glad to hear that 4,000 beagles were rescued from a lab closed down in Virginia. But I was oh, just yeah. made clear Great. that there are thousands of beagles in a New York State lab, thousands more. Cruel, inhumane experiments, which are unnecessary, being done just for the funding. Can anything be done about the New York State lab to rescue those beagles?
2: Well, <laughs> no, let me let me suggest, Carol, uh, it was actually discussed at length on John Katsimatidis, our owner and operator's... Um, uh, five o'clock roundtable discussion. Uh, the special guest was uh, Staten Island Borough President Vito Fossella. I was very surprised. Uh, Nancy and Carol, he actually said, we got to do something about the 4,000 beagles in Virginia. You're right, Carol. They have been adopted out and kept away from Dr. Fauci, who's back after being on quarantine for having COVID-19. Or he might have outsourced those beagles to a third world country to run experiments on them and torture them. But now that I know that Borough President Vito Fasella is such a strong lover of beagles and believes they're being abused in these experiments, I would suggest, uh, Nancy, you and I reach out to him. We know him well. And we see if we can do something about all the other beagles that are housed in New York State that are being experimented on uh, for almost no reason whatsoever.
7: I mean, and I don't. I really don't think this hurdle is super large to overcome because clearly the city is willing to contract with a lot of these companies businesses for extended periods of time if the profit isn't really the end game incentive you're just trying to get to the next level well, like for instance with the animal care and control they contracted with you know them to to maintain new york city shelters for 34 years But if you had a focus where you said, okay, within five years, we're going to be no kill, you could set the parameters. The point is you're providing the funding. They don't exist without your funding. So you're in control of setting the parameters. Like that's really it. Like there's nothing else to that. So make sure that you set the correct parameters. Like everything can move forward appropriately and you're in control of the money. So that's how it happens.
2: I got to tell you the other day, when we saw the uh, Darth Vader of uh, the CDC emerge, uh, Dr. Fauci, he said, oh, I'll probably be here to 2025 and then retire. He
7: sure will, yeah. Oh, He'll get so he like a, a half a million dollar pension.
2: Yeah, and, and he, he makes how much each year?
7: Well, this one he makes like over, um, he makes like 430 but when he retires, his pension will be like half a million or more.
2: So four hundred and thirty thousand dollars a year to make all these mistakes. Uh, now yeah. now with monkey he'll make another mistake. Uh and the torturing of the beetles, which uh, beagles, which is unconscionable. He's yet to answer that. Why did you outsource those beagles to Tunisia where they conducted such inhumane experiments on those poor dogs? Well,
7: I mean, I mean you, you called it out correctly, it's because you have that level of uh sort of, you know, a separation. So it doesn't look like you're doing it, but you just pay someone else to do it. But, you know, it wouldn't happen unless you were providing the funding. So, but that level of separation usually is enough.
2: Let's go if we can. And Mike from New Hyde Park, your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC, Mike.
7: Hey,
4: Curtis, like you and your wife, I am a huge fan of cats. I spoke to you earlier today. So, you know, I hate to say this because I know you hate it. Thank you for taking my call again. I'm usually cogent. But I mentioned a segment on your program that made me laugh so hard. The only thing that prevented me from rolling off the bed was my cat. And then after you disconnected me, I felt like you were almost implying that I was irresponsible or something. Let me tell you, please hear me out. I lived in the Bronx. 187th Street and Southern Boulevard, right across from the Bronx Zoo. I found a black cat. I took her in. She had three kittens a week later because they show when they're ready to go. I found two responsible homes for the two kittens. I kept one because he actually had special surgical needs that cost me like $2,000. I treat my cats like gold, okay? I love cats. I have a long history of caring for animals, and I love your program, Curtis, and I respect you. I hope you're mayor one day. I really do. No no beef, but I'm just saying. I, I, I took exception to that.
2: You took exception to that, huh? You are laughing your ass off. You almost crushed your cat you were laughing so hard I pointed that out to, please don't hurt the cat and you took exception to that
4: I I didn't I she sleep, she sleeps next to me Curtis I mean what could you say they're cats they're all over the place
3: Oh, no, no,
2: totally, totally understood. We've got the 18 rescue cats in our uh, apartment in the Upper West Side, and I know exactly, exactly how you you feel.
7: You know, I think that we should push forward, which I think is, like, a a very important, um, you know, objective for all pet owners. When When you have health insurance, if you have people who can be added to your health insurance, why can't your pets be added to your health insurance? Like, I think that would be the total game changer between people relinquishing their pets when they have issues where they're told it's like a lot of money. Why can't we add them to our family health insurance the same way we do children?
2: Well, that, you know, brings to mind what just transpired. You know how we've been having a very difficult time with Frank Morano and his other side of midnight. (laughs) People have been calling up asking about certain issues involving pets or even the problems he talks about, the three cats that Rachel had that he inherited in the marriage and he knows nothing about. He never once picked up the phone and spoke to you as the known expert here at WABC. I'm not an expert. His producer, probably a fugitive with uh, a number of aliases, Matt Blaze. He's not an expert. And his own brown-nosed producer, Alex what did he speak to you about
7: today, Nancy? Um, all about like a personal cat issue.
2: He didn't speak to Frank about it, did he?
7: Well no, because Frank doesn't know nothing about cats. But, wow. You know.
2: his own brown nose producer, Alex, <laughs> actually ended up seeking counsel from you about an issue involving the cat that he so loves. He wouldn't trust asking Frank Morano about it because Frank doesn't know what to do with the three cats he inherited because he got married to the cat lover, Rachel.
7: Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, Frank does speak a good game, but uh, I I don't think he knows anything about cats. You know, like he doesn't even know cat 101. So sadly.
2: no. and plus, he's a dog lover. He never liked cats. He never liked cats.
7: That's bad. It came
2: with the marriage. It was sort of like part of the marriage. You know, the cats came with it now. This is a subject very dear to me because I've seen them in some parts of the world when I've traveled. Vultures are disappearing. What does that mean?
7: Okay, so, yeah, this is, I mean, obviously the, the way that the world is super interconnected. The amount of, now this is in uh, Africa and uh, Asia, the amount of vultures the populations are going down in a large degree, so now again, like so now this is uh the story I was reading was speaking about the fact that what are the the roles that the vultures play right so you know when they're uh taking care of the animals that have been killed in the you know in the wild, but you know their purpose also is they're they're taking away some of the you know, maybe like uh, ailments these animals have. And also, if uh, living, you know, animals are disintegrating, like if nothing. So, again, there is a purpose, right? There's like the whole entire ecosystem. This is how everything's so super interconnected. But vultures are disappearing, which means that a lot of these places where otherwise they would have, uh, you know, made sure that the animal who was taken care of was devoured. They're, like, sort of lying in the sun, and now other animals are getting to them, and those are animals that are interacting with people communities. So there's a reason why, you know, again, this is how it upsets the overall ecosystem. So, again, right, <laughs> it's like you have less vultures, now you have other animals, and they're eating the animals who passed away that vultures would have had, and now they're in, you know, communities, and people are interacting with them. So there's a, you know, so the concern is that because they have this incredible ability to take care of bacteria and sort of spreading of any illnesses, like, that's one of the great things about the vultures. It's like they sort of, you know, that's their role.
2: Well, I and actually now, uh, I actually yeah. witnessed, I observed vultures in Bombay, which has been now called Mumbai in India, mm-hmm. uh, and they would be perched on the top of these Brand new skyscrapers next to these uh, areas, which were uh, just basically uh, overnight uh, communities that were made up of uh, tarpaulin and uh, tin, and you know, the squatters areas. And these okay. and these buzzards would wait there for someone to fall and die, whether it's a human being or an animal. And I would go into these because it's like a maze. You go in and out, and you wonder how people survive in that kind of condition. And I talked to some of the folks because a lot of them know English. And they were telling me, yeah, you know, all of a sudden, if somebody dies or perishes, those vultures, those buzzards, will fly right from the top of those skyscrapers, swoop down, and do exactly what they do to animals who have perished in the wild.
7: I mean, and again, it's like the role that they play in overall ecosystem society is super important. You know, they they actually digest the stuff. It's like it's not just sitting around on the ground and then creating bacteria and making people sick. Like, they're important to the overall equation. So the fact that there are less of them means that by default, the carcasses that are, you know, killed – they're actually sitting out there and creating bacteria, and it's more susceptible for people getting sick. So, again, this is how everything is just, so, like, super interrelated. This is what the, you know, end result of it is. It's like this is what's happening. So it, it's like it's important to pay attention to all of the sort of ecosystem animal stuff. It's like the same way we have all these sharks, you know, on the on the shores now. This this is something that's brand new, but now it's happening. So it's like, I think now this is like the new norm. Like, this is where they're going. It's like, oh, the temperature of the water. So this, is, this isn't a new phenomena. It's like this is almost like the normal phenomena at this point.
2: I got to tell you, the first time I ever saw a buzz at a vulture was uh, on Bugs Bunny, it one of the characters. <laughs> I'm sure some people listening right now are saying... Yeah, that's right. The first time we were exposed to what a vulture or a buzzard looked like, uh, if you weren't uh, looking at National Geographic at that time, was on Bugs Money. Our numbers, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC.
1: WABC. The Curtis Leewa Show presents... Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa.
2: As we continue with the Animal Welfare Hour, let's go to Denise, who's calling from Long Island. Your turn to be heard here on WABC. Denise?
8: Yes, hi. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Curtis. Uh, I've called before. As per um, your other caller who uh, spent $2,000 on a little kitten, had a problem. Uh, I can't speak with authority, Nancy, about adding it onto your own health insurance, but there is animal insurance that you can purchase as long as the animal does not have a pre-existing condition. That pre-existing condition will not be covered, but this sounds like a situation where he had a young kitten that had no pre-existing condition, and if he purchases Uh, Insurance, animal insurance, which they have for cats and dogs, uh, then that pre-existing condition, which if it's a young cat, obviously doesn't have too many. But down the line may get, you know, further conditions that would be covered. So um, I called before. I had, as I said to you before, more than double the amount of your stray cats that I've taken in and taken care of. And uh, my vet was very compliant and very sensitive in helping me out. And uh, I think now, now have you was... had um, uh, pet health insurance yourself? No, I couldn't because I had too many cats. Are you kidding me? Okay, I told yeah, you that, and, you know, that's and that's the thing. Trouble. Like, so
7: I, I, I'm always curious about like how that works, right? Because I would love the idea that you know anyone who has a pet can. Uh, you know jump on board in terms of doing that. Yes, like yes. I'm not sure what it like, requires because I don't have that myself either But you know, I guess in my head like I was thinking oh It's kind of curious that you know, if you have a a job and you know, they have like they cover You know children you have oh you they can be on your health insurance Like at some point they should acknowledge that people have pets because let's face it it's like a fraction of the cost but there should be some way for normal health insurance to you know, accommodate there for is. pet ownership. And that might be the okay. difference between people relinquishing their pets because they're exactly. like, oh, I can't afford to do something.
8: If you if you contact a vet, they probably know all about it because I have a yeah. friend who adopted a, a dog. And um, he's had all sorts of problems down the line, epilepsy. I mean, he had seizures, et cetera, et cetera. But from the beginning, she got pet insurance on him, so yeah. a lot was covered. So I would okay. suggest that somebody start by contacting veterinarians. They're probably the, the best source in order to find out about the pet insurance.
2: Well, let's, uh, let's do this, Denise and Nancy, for next week. Why don't yeah. you do a deep dive, a uh, deep research project, Nancy? Uh, as, as yeah, of, absolutely. And
7: absolutely. this way
2: you can share what you've uh, learned with our many listeners uh, throughout the Tri-State area and beyond. Absolutely. All yep. right, let's go back to the phones. It's Vinny calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Vinny.
0: How you doing there, Curtis? Uh, I wanted to tell you about the dog I had. I, I used to work construction with my brother, and we used to go to this bar after work, and I found this beautiful German Shepherd. He was like dying of mange and malnutrition. I brought him back to health. But I was living in a basement apartment, and the people allowed me to have it. They are pretty uh, compassionate people. But eventually I had to give him away because they said he barked all day when I was at work. And I gave him to a friend who uh, owned a restaurant. His father retired and lived in Strasburg, Pennsylvania. And uh, I want to talk about the emotional intelligence of animals. He put him in the car the day he took him away. That dog hung on the back window and just stared at me. And I asked how the dog was doing, like, a few months later. And he said, well, the first few weeks, two, three weeks, he's very sad, but he came around. And I went and visited him. I went and took a trip up there, and uh, and the dog was, like, under my legs, uh, all over me the whole weekend. I think that's a show in itself, just the emotional intelligence of animals. We always deny them, uh, you know, the intelligence. You know, you think they're like adapt to anybody, but it's not necessarily true. Yeah,
2: no, no, there's, there's no doubt. Uh, uh, I've seen that time and time again. A person is in a position where they have to give up uh, their family member, their animal friend, and uh Nancy they're traumatized forever about that for whatever reason it is
7: yeah yeah i mean and in terms of um let's say having um a you know a animal like a pet that you've adopted in now if there's no uh issue with where you're living I mean my my suggestion would always be getting another uh either if it's a dog or a cat because there's no question if you have one you know by itself it's always going to have that little bit of that needy component it wants to be around someone it wants to be interacted with it wants to be pet you know if you have two dogs or you have two cats like they'll be able to keep each other company now obviously dogs and cats they have different sort of requirements but the reality is in terms of the social element At least they keep each other company because it's true. If you just have one, they're going to be very, you know, reliant on you for their entire social engagement. And that's a lot of responsibility and there's not enough time. So if you have a second, you know, cat, dog, at least they're able to be with each other in the interim. And then when you come home, they can just interact with you independently. But I mean, certainly like to your point the socialization is such a big thing they don't want to be sitting by themselves all day depending upon where they came from it might be that you know they're already like traumatized from their initial environment so there may need to be that sort of a constant contact but you can overcome that a lot of times with having a friend for them so when you're not there the other animal takes a place and they, you know, hang out with them, they play, they, they sleep. So, I mean, I think that's really the thing. Like if you take one by itself, all the pressure all everything's on you, like you have to be everything for this animal. And if it has some of these issues, it's going to be a lot of responsibility. So it's like better to get a second, like a friend for them.
2: Let's go if we can to Debbie in Connecticut. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC. Debbie,
7: hi Curtis, hi.
5: Oh, Nancy, I was uh, wondering if you could elaborate a little bit on who's
7: funding these projects for the vehicles going to China. Is it shampoo companies in their best interest to for these experiments, or like the Fauci Fauci experiments? Yeah. Well, yeah, the Beagle, yeah, sending the Beagles to China. It, it, apparently, I thought you said there's funding uh, that was oh, yeah, I'll give for that. that uh, you know about that, Curtis, right? Like the, the funding for the Beagle experiment? Yeah. So
2: in this case, uh, Dr. Fauci, head of the CDC, wanted Beagles experimented on for reasons that we've yet to be able to determine because he will not be forthcoming. There's no transparency. He took it upon his agency to uh, subcontract this out to Tunisia, a third world country, because you're not permitted to conduct those kind of experiments here in the territorial United States. And as we saw, the beagles were placed in a position where they couldn't move their heads. They were entrapped. And then they released these sand fleas like these flesh-eating insects, It just tore up their heads, ate the skin right off their skulls, tortured these beagles. And so then the question was, well, what the hell were you going to learn from this other than you are just a sadist? And to this day, he has yet refused to answer Debbie, nor anybody in the CDC or anybody affiliated with that project. You have to believe, just like with people, there are people who want to abuse and take advantage of people because they're sadistic. And we've seen this time and time again. It doesn't matter whether you're educated, you lack education, you're poor and impoverished, you're wealthy or rich like Michael Vick uh, was. There are sadists out there, and they really love to torture animals. For some reason, they get this strange, vicarious thrill out of torturing animals. And uh, it's got to stop. And Dr. Fauci left us no hope by saying the other day after recovering from COVID, oh, you'll have me to kick around till 2025. Oh, my God, my God. My. Let's go to Peter in the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Peter.
0: Uh, thanks for having me, uh, Curtis. Uh, I want to say it's always nice to see uh, your angels on the subway. always feel a little bit safer having them around. Um, Yeah, I I just want to say, you know, culturally, we're really selective on on what we care about. I think, obviously, all animals should matter. And while I'm not saying we shouldn't eat meat, you know, the way we treat even the animals, we eat pretty terribly across the board. And, you know, all these animals have to matter or at least should. And, you know, we should always strive to kind of do better, right? I mean, let's be honest. There are a lot of cultures where cats and dogs are eating. You know, morally, they're not necessarily any wrong to do that anymore than we're wrong to eat cows. And, you know, I just wish we cared about animals across the board more.
2: Well, I think, Peter, uh, I've learned, because Nancy obviously was a vegetarian when I met her, and she's uh, abided by that principle for many, many years. The more I was exposed to how animals were treated that we consume, first it started with me way back when uh, I was much younger, and I learned uh, how veal, veal is prepared, you know, from the baby calves and how they were just tied up and not permitted to move. And then we can start going right through the laundry list, these industrial farms, where all they do is raise animals to slaughter them so we can eat them and deprive them of any dignity, any space. It's barbarous behavior. And when you see it, Peter, that's why everybody should see it. You want to eat meat? Go ahead. Look at it first, though, what we do in order to get that meat. And I will tell you, like myself, I don't eat that meat any longer because after I saw those films, I was sort of like, "No, nah, I'm not. I'm not eating that meat anymore." Vegetarian? It's, it sticks in your mind. It really does.
3: Are you a vegetarian, Curtis? I didn't know that.
2: I would say I'm getting there. Nancy's getting me there. I'm not. I'm not going to claim like Eric Adams. I'm a vegan. And then we learn he eats fish. Okay, he eats fish. Uh, but I'm pretty much at that point now where it's uh, fish. Or I'll just have like cheese and lettuce, and I I, I just it's very difficult for me to uh, eat uh, red meat any longer, uh, and in some instances uh, chicken, only knowing what they go through and the way they're they're prepared, they're raised, and the way they're slaughtered.
0: And what about the way we treat our human animals? You know a lot about that, you know, having, you know, policing a lot of people and things like that. I mean, that's also all another discussion, obviously, but well, I think in general is a yeah, real sickness.
2: This is, this is what I said in both debates against Eric Adams. I said a uh, person that we all admire, we all think of as being enlightened, Mahatma Gandhi said long ago, before I was birth, a society that mistreats its animals will mistreat its people. And all I say is look around the streets of New York City. Look at how the emotionally disturbed persons are treated. Look at how the homeless people are treated. And then look at how we treat our animals. Meantime, uh, one last thing, Nancy. Please describe what people can do because animal control is overloaded uh, with uh, animals that they have either uh, gotten or have been uh, surrendered into them. And it's uh, it's at a desperate uh, level now.
7: Yeah. Well, the the um, uh, New York City Animal Care and Control shelters are at this point uh, overrun. They have too many animals there, so they're um, you know adopting out animals with reduced rate adoption fees. And it's it's very important to again, like I'm not on board with their overall practices, but it really is irrelevant at this point. Like, you just want to make sure that these animals are adopted out into safe homes. So if you go online, you know, if you go to the uh, facilities, they have, like, the physical facilities where you can adopt them, you know, just to make sure they're not put down because the amount of animals they're taking in is – Um, really over the top, and they're actually starting to close down acceptance of animals in certain of these uh, city-run shelters, so that means the animals are being turned away. So if you can, you know, possibly adopt them, or even if you're just fostering them, you know, at least you're giving them some breathing room so maybe someone else can adopt them because clearly there's a lot of them coming into the shelters now. So, I mean, yeah, if you have some space, you have some time, Certainly, like you know, go go and try to you know adopt them and try to you know keep them, foster them, whatever you can do.
2: Now, Nancy, if uh, uh, if anybody would like to get in touch with you and continue the conversation, or they need uh, some help or assistance on an animal welfare issue, how can they contact you?
7: Um, well, uh, Nancy at guardianangels.org. dot org, and uh, yeah, and definitely we've had people who reach out to us and we're, you know, working to try to solve some of the issues because obviously they're very large, but Nancy at GuardianAngels.org.
2: Yeah, and do yourselves all a favor. When you're listening to The Other Side of Midnight, Frank Morano, Monday through Friday's 1 to 5, don't ask him about cat issues or any animal issues. Even his brown nose producer, Alex, spoke to Nancy about an issue that he was having with his cat. He did not go to Frank Morano. But well, I appreciate it. Once again, uh, hopefully we shared a lot of enlightenment about animal issues and a reminder very quickly because of the sweltering heat, the humidity, the oppressive uh, weather conditions, what should people do not only for their pets uh, and their friends and their family members who are furry little creatures, but those that are outside?
7: Okay, well, if you have any pets of yours that you're bringing indoors, bring them indoors right away. And if there's any animals you're caring for outside, make sure you put down a lot of uh, cold bowls of water and little food sources for them because it's going to be tough for them to get through these next couple days.
2: Thank you, Nancy. Up next, going to discuss with Dominic Carter how it doesn't make sense to be best buddies with Eric Adams. The Swagger Man has no plan in dealing with crime his friend, the Reverend, got robbed today of $400,000 while conducting a service in Canarsie. And the guy who was his advance man, remember, got pistol whipped there at the uh, Brooklyn Navy Yard? And they haven't caught the guys who did it yet. I guess you get no special credit when you happen to know the mayor who claims to be Mr. Law and Order, but the swagger man, it's obvious now,
1: has no plan. W-A-B-C. check this out no one knows new york better the founder of the guardian angels curtis Lewa. and you can't compete against that on 77 wabc
2: yeah uh, here he is dominic carter the barrier between me and frank morano Well, I see the very dear friend of Mayor Eric Adams. Remember, there was uh, that moment in May when the Rolls Royce driving uh, Bishop Lamore Whitehead Mm -hmm. got his church right in Canarsie, right down the road from where I was raised, on Remsen, Leaders of Tomorrow International Ministries in Canarsie. He was the guy who was going to take Abdullah, remember, the guy who killed the the employee of Goldman Sachs.
9: Right, the train and they situation. Were, he was going to turn
2: him into the mayor at the 5th precinct. Right. You know, so the mayor could go live at 5. And then DT said, oh, no, we're not going to start this. Instead of us taking, everybody will want to turn themselves into the mayor because then they get to be on TV. Oh, I didn't do it, Mr. Mayor. Oh, okay, I, I understand. So they, they interfered. They grabbed him when he came out of legal aid after meeting with his uh, lawyer. But this guy had the phone number of Eric Adams and has had a long-term relationship when he was Brooklyn Borough president. So apparently 11 o'clock in the morning, he's having his service. And he has it on live stream, too, because, you know, because of COVID-19 and the variant and the heat. A lot of his parishioners, the elderly ones, were at home. And they're watching and they see these three guys come in, hooded down, right, with guns, nine millimeters, and they rob everybody in there, including the minister, who they put down on his hands and knees, apparently took four hundred thousand dollars worth of jewelry from him and his wife and fled east on Avenue D. No arrests. I gotta believe that the Reverend Bishop Lamore Whitehead pulled that cell phone out and called the mayor and said, I need your help.
9: Maybe, but you're making a huge assumption. And the assumption you're making, Curtis Lewa, is that this is all on the up and up. I just don't buy it. Ooh. At all. Ooh. Do you really think I don't care how flamboyant one may be, do you really believe really believe there's a pastor that shows up at a service that is broadcast mostly primarily online to the parishioners and that he's got on a four hundred thousand dollar chain? Do you really believe that? Guy rags around in a Rolls Royce. Come on. Yeah, well, on on a lease, you could drive drive a Rolls. I mean, but do you really believe this guy? Now, and and I don't believe it. I'm questioning whether the robbery was an inside job because it's very easy to say, look, 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 it's on video, now pay the insurance. Come on.
2: Oh. Wait a second. Maybe that's why I don't trust some Shady Sharp tonight. Here we go. Every time his house, the house uh, of hate burned (laughs) down. Remember when he was being investigated for tax evasion? All of a sudden, mysteriously, he was hit by electricity or lightning twice.
9: (laughs) So you and Sharpton still have this thing with each other. Uh, uh, Are you and I going to retire with you and Sharpton having this thing with each other? No,
2: no, that ain't happening. And I know I know how he works it. I worry. My complexion is not my protection from him. You understand? He knows. I know him. Uh, he grew up on the other side of Linden Boulevard, Stone Avenue, Project Brownsville. I grew up in Canarsie. I know this. Guy. So
9: wait. If I arrange a lunch or a breakfast, a cup of coffee between me, you, and Chopton, will you come?
2: As long as he pays for it. <laughs> but you know he don't pay for nothing. He's like Frank Morano. He's got oh. alligator arms. <laughs> You know, Frank, he sets up these lunches, these brunches. You know, he likes boozy, he calls it boozy brunches now. He gets everybody together, and then all of a sudden, the bill comes in. He walks out, and people say, Frank, I ain't even going to go Dutch and even pay. I'm the one who put it together. Why should I pay for anything? You should be lucky to have me there.
9: Uh-huh. So we somehow come back to morano to start the new week off
2: well i have to because that's why you're here the barrier the, to prevent me from being the inquisitor of frank morano
9: so do you believe this with the uh the pastor
2: i have to really because he's god's messenger i know this guy long time bishop Lamore whitehead oh that's right he's been on the down low for quite some time but he's friends with eric adams man Wait,
9: well i don't know what you mean in this instance of the down low i cannot speak ill
2: of a man of faith. I just know he's on the down low. This mm. man's a player. Mm. I'm going to leave it at that. So, wait,
9: is he a player with the ladies or is he on the down low? Uh, it's multiple.
2: Mm. It's multiple. But... He knows the mayor real well. Show me the money. Well, he knows the mayor real well. You you seem to be very protective of the mayor. <laughs> loaded,
9: loaded question.
2: <laughs> anyway, Dominic Cutter up next. Love which you, means man. I don't have it. J- no, no, I don't go to. Love way, you, man. man. No, no, because no,
9: of you, no. everywhere I go, people walk up dancing, and talk about return of the man.
2: No, no. You're the big Mac Daddy.
9: Mac Daddy. Okay, Mac Daddy.
2: I gave you that song, man. You, yes. you forgot the words already.
9: Yeah.
2: Now yeah. I'm going to have to revive that song. Love and you, man. And then Frank Morano will end up stealing it and using it for himself.